Attention broadcasters in the greater Portland area. Your daily show prep begins now. Why, hello there. It is uh, one minute and 15 seconds after the hour of five, and this the month of August in the year of our Lord, 2009. Thank you for coming along and making it part of your listening day. We are live from the plushly appointed and once again uh, here and present in the great city of Portland, Oregon studios of Rock 101 UFO. Thank you for uh, joining us. It is Monday morning, so it's either very early or very late. That depends on whether or not you are mean, whether or not you had any sleep at all last night, or whether you spent... Uh, about six and a half hours behind a squalling infant on a plane coming back from New York City, as was the case uh, with myself. So uh, more about that in a, a moment. Can, can you lower my microphone ever so slightly? Thank you. Uh, and good morning to you. It is uh, Monday morning. It's the Rick Emerson Show. We are here. We are back. We are live. I am here alongside uh, Tim Riley and Greg Nibbler. We'll be talking to Sarah X. Dillon later on. Uh, she is in New York for the next uh, 48 hours. So before we do anything else, it is 503-228-4101 this morning, 503-228-4101. If you would like to engage with us telephonically, if you'd like to email, you can do that as well. It's rick at rickemerson.com, rick at rickemerson.com, uh, nibbler, N-I-B-L-E-R, K-U-F-O.com, or tim at K-U-F-O.com. Uh, and our man uh, Brent is on the phones today, uh, ably assisting us as only he can. You can also text if you like. It's 520 520- Five one five two zero, uh, five one. So we've been off for uh, what, like seven days, something like that, eight days. Yes, it's all just a big blur. I I think our last day. I'm not going to go back and do like a whole reverse abacus on everything and try to figure it out. But our last day, where we were all here, was like ten days ago. It was two weeks ago on Wednesday or something like that. And then you were gone for a couple of days, and Dave Schmidtke had had stepped in, and then Sarah and I were gone, and Greg was gone all last week. And you were here hosting all the uh, the best of segments, isn't that right, Tim Riley? I believe that is correct. Yes. Right. Hey, by the way, I brought you a present from New York. You're kidding me. No, I'm not kidding. You I, didn't have to. No, and it's and it's a, it's not only a present, but it's an oral aid as well. It's a, it has a, there's an auditory element to it. Oh. So it makes noise, and we'll uh, it, we'll get to that here in just a bit. So it will be recapping, kind of in a vague, overarching way, a lot of the stuff that happened last week while Greg and Sarah and I were all in New York. I mean, apart from whatever. Sort of paranoia-inducing master scheme we were clearly there for. I mean, everything else was obviously a front. So uh, so we'll get to all of these sort of ancillary stuff that we did. We've got Mad Men recap coming up today, speaking of New York. So I myself, it is now, as I'm speaking these words, uh, 5.04 a.m. I just finished watching last night's season three premiere of Mad Men about an hour and a half ago because my plane got in at PDX at around midnight. I got home at around 1.00. Uh, I took a shower, I unpacked some of my uh, schmutz, and then I grabbed the DVD of last night's Mad Men and last night's True Blood. I came here to work, uh, and, and then I've been sitting in my office uh, like a nerd watching uh, Don Draper, Drink Martinis, and that hot Jessica vampire chick roll around in a bed with that Hoyt uh, douche. So th- that's been my morning so far. So we'll recap Mad Men today. We'll uh, talk about last night's True Blood episode. Christy Turnquist from the Oregonian is going to uh, join us today. We'll talk about the weekend box office, at which District 9 reigns supreme. We'll have a pair of tickets to uh, KUFO Summer of Rock Part 3, uh, the Pedal to the Metal Tour. What else? Jackson. See, now I don't even know what we've done and what we haven't uh, over the last week or so. All right, Tim. Yeah, there's thing about 
This guy groping Minnie Mouse? Yes, did that last week. All right, well, we're going to do it again anyway, because I didn't hear it. Uh, do you have this thing about Michael Jackson's body being frozen? I do not, but I, I had it somewhere, but you can do it. All I right. don't want to take the glory away. Awesome, thank you. Do you have this thing about where Kiss is releasing their new album? The answer may surprise you. No, I don't have that one. All right. Genius. Do you have this thing about Battlestar Galactica? No. Right. Fantastic. Uh, do you have this study about Twitter? I have it somewhere. All right. And finally this. Do you have this story? And I'm praying to the God of my understanding that you do not. Now that we're back and we're live, everything depends on this. My whole mood depends on your answer to this question, Tim. Mm-hmm. From, from this moment on, it's either it's triumphant glory or it's desperate, fail-coated shame. Do you, Tim Riley, have in your memory banks the fact that you already last week did this story? Did you do the story about where children in Phoenix, Arizona, and presumably right here in River City, might be hiding their drugs? I do not. God bless you. Because this is the best story you're going to hear all week, nay, all month. Fantastic. Here's, here's how you know that this is the best story you're going to hear all month. Because it contains... Am I, is my computer up over there, Greg? All right. Here's how you know that this is the best story we're going to cover all month. Because it contains this phrase. Oh, I'm sorry. Is my, are you sure that I'm up over there? Oh, that was terribly anticlimactic. Hold on. Let's... All right. The audio is playing. There we go. All right. This this is the audio contained in this Where Your Children Might Be Hiding Their Drugs story. Even more graphic, anal beer bongs and soaking tampons in vodka. It's going to be the best show ever. It's 503-228. Well, of course it is, Tim. Well, young people are always on the bleeding edge of technology, both narcotic-wise and otherwise. Uh, we're ably assisted as well today by Greg Nibbler, who was in for uh, Sarah Exton. Hello, Greg. How are you? Hello. I am doing well. When did you get back from New York? Uh, I actually got back yesterday early. Um, I left 7 a.m. on Sunday. What so was I... yesterday? <sighs> Sunday. Today's Sunday. Monday. Yesterday was Sunday. So you got back what time? Portland time. Portland time, I got back at 10 a.m., but I hadn't slept at that point since 8 a.m. Friday, <laughs> awesome. something like that. Yeah, wow. I don't know. It was, it was, yeah, insane. So, and I apologize. I'm not going to like keep referring to things in being New York time, but I got to try to figure out. So right now, it's 8 o'clock in New York, which means that I've been up right now for 23 hours. So there you go. Not a full day yet because, uh, you know, I just, I don't have the stones for that. But you know, we're at the 23-hour mark, so... All of that is coming up today, and uh, we'll start things off at the news desk with your personal savior, Tim Riley. No, that's totally wrong. Uh, that no, that's entirely made All up. Right, that's well, I'll start with that. Wait, no, 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 hold on. I, I, I don't feel need it. it. No, no, no. I feel it. I feel a, a good thing coming down the pipeline, right? In the news with Tim Riley. Good morning, everyone, from the KUFO News Center in downtown Portland, 506. Well, get ready for another heat wave. Yes, it's coming back. Just as you opened up last month's electric bill and went, <gasps> can it be any higher? Yes, it's another heat wave heading our way. Temperatures are soaring back into the mid-90s today and may reach 100 degrees well, by great. Wednesday. That's, well, that's wonderful. Hey, but how about that humidity in New York, Greg Nibbler? It was insane. I don't. I think I sweat for about a week. No, it's. I, here's the thing. I, I'm not going to go on and on about the the differences between. You know, here it's like this, but there it's like that. I will say that it's like the heat is sort of following me around because we had that. You know, the whole hot apocalypse thing here. Yes. And then just as I get to New York, and I and there's certain things you have to say just because they're true, whether they're cliches or not. And one of them is, of course, the humidity that just grabs you like some sort of a wet woolen sock. Yes. That's gone through the dryer, but not enough to actually become dry, just enough to become sort of smothering. 
And it was 94 degrees yesterday uh, when we left. And it was like the very last subway we had, literally the last subway we had to take while we were in New York. So it was the one that was going to take us to JFK to fly out. The last train was the one that just, I mean, we waited for probably 25 minutes in the subway where you realize that you're just basking in the assembled sweat of like 85 years worth of New Yorkers. So it's just like the better part of a century worth of underarm funk that is gathering. And here's the moment when I just pulled the ripcord yesterday and Laura and I decided to take a cab to the airport. We're sitting there. How much did that cost? $45, Tim. Uh, and, you know, well, and you guys are good. Worth, you know what? And I have to, I don't care. I don't give a, I don't give an F. It was worth every penny of it. Um, th- th- because we're sitting there in the subway and it's 94 degrees outside and you think, well, it's underground. It's, you know, you're, it's subterranean. It's going to be cool. Not so much because everybody goes down in there and they just, and, and New Yorkers just stink. They just stink. Like, I mean, it's like one big giant swampy ass. And that's your phrase, Greg, Nibler, that I'm now hijacking as my own. Cause there's no other way to describe it. It's like, you're just in a huge giant sweat covered ass the entire time. It's just it's just filth and rot and horror and pain and disgust, but then coated with this sort of viscous goo all the time. So we're there in the subway, and I'm looking up, and it, you know it's not cool. It's hot. It's humid. It's damp. It's musty. It's disgusting. You realize everybody there has just got like just just a horrible mildew filled perspiration coming out of every pore on their body. And then I look up at the roof, like there's the ceiling in the subway. And I see that there are actual stalactites. I mean, actual, real, honest-to-God stalactites made of I don't know what. I mean, that's the other thing is we're sitting there, and I don't mean stalactites like it was dripping water. I mean, like actual stalactites that have started to grow down from the ceiling in the inside of the freaking sunway, uh, subway tunnel. And so Laura and I had a good five-minute discussion about, like, what are those stalactites even made out of? And I, I mean, and when we couldn't come to any sort of a, a reasonable conclusion, that's when we decided that we were getting out of there. And I was paying $45 to take an air-conditioned cab to the airport, and it was worth every moment of it. All right. Let's do uh, one more here, and then we'll uh, get caught up around the corner. All right, 405 reopening now after being closed all weekend for resurfacing. 130 worked around the clock to get that job done. Right. So things are getting back to normal. All right. So we we got a ton of stuff to get to. We're already uh, behind. We barely even started Monday. So coming up today, we have Jackson Watch. We got a double geek watch coming up. Mad Men recap. We'll talk about last night's episode of uh, True Blood. Christy Turnquist from the Oregonian will be here. We'll talk to Sarah Nib- uh, Sarah Nibbler. Sarah. <laughs> what Sarah- happened in New York? <laughs> Sarah Dillon and Greg Nibbler is here as well. You stay there. We're live from Portland. The Rick Emerson Show on Rock 101. KUFO. Broadcasting in color. Huh? Yeah, that's right. Who's rigged now, Mr. Riggy Man? The Rick Emerson Show returns. Live from beautiful downtown Portland, Oregon, it is the Rick Emerson radio program. Thank you for joining us today. It's 503-228-4101. Uh, recently returned from uh, my eight-day excursion to New York City. Uh, Greg Nibbler was there as well. Sarah X. Dillon is still there. So she is there today, tomorrow, and then, so let me see, so I got, it's 5 o'clock now, it's like a story problem, so I, it's 5.30 now, I got in about five and a half hours ago, so she will be getting in Tuesday night around midnight, and then coming straight to work, so on Wednesday, she will have had no sleep, so it's going to be, 
Just a fantastic week all the way around. Uh, coming up later on, we'll talk to CNN radio correspondent Steve Kastenbaum. Uh, we all went and toured uh, uh, the CNN studio, which is awesome, by the Vast way. Vast and endless. It, it? Was, it was huge. It was like floor after floor. I mean, it was just like miles and miles of catacombs. And everything there is red and white and blue and glass and shiny. And all the women are hot. And they're all about 22 years of age. And they're all right outside Anderson Cooper's office. I mean, Greg, you were there. You saw it. Oh, yes. It was incredible. I mean, it was yeah. just, I, you know, and here's the best part of the entire trip. First of all, I didn't get any FaceTime with Anderson Cooper. So let's just leave that disappointment in our wake uh, right now. Were you there just at the wrong time or does he not appear in the hallway? I don't think he, I don't think you're allowed to look at him. I think it's, a, I think it's, he's sort of a, I think he's like a Heisenberg uh, a, a proton where it's like, if you try to see him. He rises like got... a canister, like the driving bank. <laughs> exactly. Anderson Cooper's here. Uh, so there was Anderson Cooper, but we weren't allowed. Now I'm just going to be picturing him jammed inside a little vacuum tube like a <laughs> cylinder. Um, there's Anderson Cooper, who we were, weren't allowed to speak with, I think. And then there was Lou Dobbs, who's there, but who I guess, I'm sorry, I hate to reveal, who nobody apparently likes to talk to. So I, I because I, I get the feeling he's just very brusque and he's just all about it. He's all about the stories back there pounding on a Smith Corona or an Underwood or something. Um, so there's Lou Dobbs and his huge teeth were back there, and we we just you know we were we were just busy looking for Anderson Cooper. But I sent out like a Facebook, Twitter thing, whatever about this that in the area in the bullpen outside Anderson Cooper's office, it's just like hot blonde girls as far as the eye can see. It's astounding, or perhaps not so astounding. Um, anyway, so Steve Kastenbaum gave us the whole uh, tour, but I will say. Far and away the standout, apart from meeting Steve himself, because, you know, Jim Roop has been here and Lisa Desjardins has come to town. And Steve is actually the last sort of, uh, you know, CNN correspondent that we talk to all the time. I mean, we talk to him a couple times a week that we've never actually met in person. So he gave us the whole tour and I got to see I did not touch or take photos of, but I got to see John King's magic map which is that big, that touch map thing that he was using, where he's going, Anderson, you can see that even if John McCain wins these 15 states and here and here, and even if the great gazoo appears here and gives him the rest of the Electoral College, he still has a very, very tough uphill climb. Anderson? And so I got to see uh, that map, because you can tell that they're just going to continue to rub it in Fox's face like forever, how badly they schooled them all through the election, because they've never remodeled. Everything there is still like red, white, and blue bunting. So uh, excellent! It, no, it is. It's fantastic. So we have uh, more on that. Plus, we'll tell you uh, from what news story this soundbite comes. Even more graphic: anal beer bongs. In- Meanwhile, at the news desk, it's your personal savior, Tim Riley. In the news with Tim Riley. Good morning from the KUFO News Center, downtown Portland, five twenty-seven. Now, it's another heat wave, says the National Weather Service. Now, the temperature will soar back into the mid nineties today. And we'll reach 100 degrees by Wednesday. I'm not happy about that at all, by the way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's bad. A man is dead after being hit by a train in the southeast. It happened around 1 a.m. yesterday morning near Bybee and McLaughlin Boulevard. Burgerville is going to start serving bicyclists at its drive-up windows. <laughs> this bicyclist is all stringy. I demand a fatter one. <laughs> this after a rider was refused service and raised a brouhaha. Oh, seriously, put a sock in it. Get in the car. So it worked. The company's also toying with the idea of building dedicated bike lanes at its 39 drive throughs Well, they can do that, but otherwise... But see, but then, uh, never mind. Never mind. Never mind. I've only been back like an hour. I'm not going to go cranked up about everything. I'm just saying, don't be a douche. Just park your bike and walk inside like everybody else. That's like when we were in high school and we thought it was really clever to walk through the McDonald's drive through because we weren't going to be bound by the man's rules about like who could use it and who couldn't. So just, don't be a dick, huh? How about that? Here's Tim Riley. 
Well, if you've been wondering how useful Twitter really is, you might want to hear this. A recent study by marketing intelligence firm Peer Analysis says that most tweets on Twitter belong in the category of pointless babble, where people simply post pointless stuff about what they're reading and what I'm into now. The survey was carried out over a two-week period. Apparently, they studied this extensively where almost 2,000 tweets from the public were analyzed. I have to tell you this, that I sent probably, I think I probably spent, uh, sent more of those like Twitter updates than largely, I should, in my own defense, largely because they're linked uh, to my Facebook page. And so when I send out a Twitter update, it goes directly to Facebook as well. So it's kind of like I can do two for the price of one. Um, but I sent out more of those in New York probably than I have in any similar period. I mean, I, I was doing probably one or two a day. But that's because, you know, I was doing stuff that actually uh, sort of notable. And so, I mean, I don't know if you were doing it, Greg. If you, I mean, do you do that? Do you, or do you just do, like, Facebook? How do you update stuff? No, I'm doing the same thing where the Twitter's linked up to the Facebook. And, yeah, I was way more than I've ever used Twitter or Facebook in this last week. But, uh, yeah, I was posting pictures probably three or four times a day. Of- and then, do you, but you can't post regular, you can't post pictures on Twitter, right? No, you can't post the picture on Twitter. No, you had to do that separate on Facebook. But, yeah, the Twitter linked up to Facebook thing was uh, was quite nice. And then, Tim, you don't do the Twitter thing at all, right? No, I don't like it. No. <laughs> No, sir. I don't like it. You sounded just like the horse on Red and Stimpy just now. No offense. Um, call the police. But uh, my larger point was that you do realize that nothing you do, I mean, like in general, like most people just don't have anything that interesting going on. So, And you, I know I don't. Therefore, I don't participate. See, that's the thing. That's what makes you different from, like, everybody. I don't think that people care about the mundane tasks of everyday life. And even when you think that it's somebody you're going to care about all their mundane tasks, like, you know, one of our favorite CNN guys is Richard Quest. Mm. He's, uh, you know, he's the, the guy with the huge teeth, and he has the British uh, accent, and he says, you know, he he's the one who voices that right across his posterior clip that we play sometimes. I subscribed or I followed or whatever to his, his Twitter update, and I lasted like a day. Because he was literally saying things like, now I'm going to the store. I'm going to buy some multi-grain bread. And that's kind of funny because you hear it in his voice. Mm-hmm. But then after about the third time, it's not funny anymore. You just realize he's a guy who just goes to the store a lot and eats things and then has to go excrete. And I don't, I don't really care. Um, final thought on this, and then we'll, uh, we'll have some more coming up. We have uh, Bob Costantini from CNN. We're going to talk to him next hour. We'll talk to Steve Kastenbaum. Christy Turnquist is going to be here. We'll talk about District 9, which is awesome. Um, the final thought is this, that even when I was sending out a Twitter update about something that actually was interesting or important, like, hey, I think I see Anderson Cooper over there, you feel guilty doing it because every time you send a Twitter update, you wonder, am I being a douche right now? Am I just being a self-involved jackass that no one cares about? Am I an a honey? Would you tell me if I was an a-hole? But then you don't really, then you don't really believe the answer. So I, I'm very reluctant to ever send any of those. I just, I feel like I'm just being like a just a just a jerk. Well, yeah, that's all right. I didn't see them because I don't subscribe to the Twitter. <laughs> Keep Thank sending you, them out because I don't care. So I can labor over that. I can agonize as much as I want, but it doesn't matter because you don't read them anyway. Well, they're not just for me, obviously. No, well, everything's just for you, Tim. Everybody else is just a bonus. They're just collateral. All right. Uh, Straight ahead, we'll have more from Tim Riley coming up in the 6 o'clock hour. We'll talk to CNN Radio correspondent Steve Kastenbaum later on. Mad Men last night. We'll do our Mad Men recap. True Blood from last night as well, plus a pair of tickets to KUFO's Summer of Rock. Me listening. We are live once again from Portland, Oregon. It's Monday. Rick Emerson Show on Rock 101. The Rick Emerson Show. They attacked me like a such a mad wolf, and they stretched forward until I was going to die. Because they were like rabid animals. The Rick Emerson Show returns.
Live from beautiful downtown Portland, Oregon, it is the Rick Emerson Radio Program. Thank you for joining us. It is uh, Monday. We are once again uh, back here providing fresh entertainment to you, the huddled masses yearning to be amused. It's uh, 503-228-4101. You can also text anytime, day or night at 52051, uh, like some poor soul about two hours ago who was asking very politely if we play a song by Billy Gilman. You just keep listening for that, friend. All right, at the news desk, it's your personal savior, Tim Riley. In the news with Tim Riley. Good morning from the KUFO News Center in downtown Portland, 543 now. Okay, there's another heat wave on the way. We could hit triple digits by Wednesday. Now, is this going to be one of those things where it's 100 and whatever, but then it stays that way just for days on end until you forget any sort of joyous life you might have previously had? No, just till Wednesday. All right. I-405 is reopened after being closed a weekend for resurfacing. They actually did something. 130 people worked on this 24 hours a day. A Cravallis student has been caught driving 153 miles an hour. What kind of car was it? It was a Mazda MZ-26. That's a Mazda MZ-26. 25-year-old Christopher Gowdy passed a cop on the highway near Lost Prairie, and the chase began. He quickly lost control of that Mazda on an exit ramp. He's been charged with a laundry list of charges and has an extensive rap sheet for bad driving. Well, it looks like President Obama's finally backing down. He is willing to embrace insurance cooperatives over a government-run program. This is going to be another thing I don't understand, isn't it? This is going to be like... It's one they... of the things that nobody understands. Is, the, is, a, is an insurance cooperative... Nobody knows. <laughs> Okay, let's do. We're not sure. No, let's do this. We don't know what this is about. Let's see if we can hold on. Let's punish people who are tuning in late. So everybody who's listening now, you will understand what's about to happen. The people who are just tuning in, uh, this is going to be uh, your tough beans for tuning in late. So Tim, I'll ask you, and then you answer as though you understand the story. Tim, is this going to be like uh, those private health care funds that we heard so much about a few years ago? Well, under this proposal, consumer-owned nonprofit cooperatives would yeah. sell insurance in competition with private industry. Not unlike the way electric and agriculture co-ops operate, especially in rural states. I'm sorry, and I blew it halfway through by saying I don't understand. A consumer-run, not-for-profit healthcare co-op. That is what again? That is a consumer-owned, non-profit cooperative. This is like a bad brick building that's just falling apart inside. That's what that sounds like, right? That's like a place where you get uh, clean needles if you hump some girl that uh, you know has scurvy or whatever. Well, I wonder if this is what I, I was reading about last night. That Priceline is going to come out with a new service just for doctors, where you bid online for whatever you want. Are you making Kidney that transplant? up? No. I don't know which is better, if you're making it up and I'm believing it or if it's real. Believe it because it's real. Are they going to have, what's his name, Bones doing the... Uh, That'd be great. I mean, it's a given, right? They have to have, what's his name? They have mm-hmm. to have McCoy uh, come out, you know, damn it, Jim, I've got pus coming out of my eyes. It's yeah. going to be a, a price line for doctors. It goes online in September. That's fantastic. For the I people guess. brought you price line. Or, or maybe it's not. I mean, look, no offense to Priceline. That's how I book most of my flights through. But mm-hmm. I don't know that that's, it's a little terrifying, actually. Not so much because I don't trust price. It's, here's the thing that's terrifying about it. I put my finger on it. If they have a price. You end up getting a heart transplant on 82nd. <laughs> Is that I get that now, or rather, I don't. My goddamn insurance company sent me to eighty second for to the, to the dentist. How do you last get all time. the worst doctors? I I don't understand how you're getting these. Because my insurance company hates me. My you had the same insurance company that I had. Uh, well, sort of. Uh, sort of. Well, in the sense that um, part of it is through part of it's from my wife. 
Um, so, uh, you know, so there's, there's part of it. So I basically have two. I have one company that does my dental. I use one company just for dental only. That's right. the thing, basically. Um, so I have one insurance company that does all my other junk. Uh, and then there's an insurance company that only exists through the dental. But now that I think about it, I've been screwed by both of them. So, I mean, maybe they both got something against me. I won't identify the, the primary uh, insurance company that handles everything else. I will simply say that. I barely knew her. And so uh, here's the thing. I came home, and I was going through my mail last night this morning. And I think I've mentioned this, by the way, but I'm going to mention it again. So everybody who says that they can't have some sort of a single-payer government health system, it's going to be inefficient. I went to have my bum skate looked at. I got this bad foot. I went to have it looked at like nine weeks ago, and they still haven't seen me. By the, they haven't even set an appointment. They haven't even told me when I get to go sit in a room with the guy who will eventually do And keep in mind, this is like actual private company, capitalistic insurance companies that I'm dealing with for this. It's like nine weeks. They haven't even looked at the thing yet. What if I had just like alien eggs coming out of my foot or something? They would, there'd be, you know, I'd be hosed. They would have no way to, uh, they would have no way to know that because they haven't bothered to assess it. My dentist, that's a whole other kettle of ponies because they sent me to 82nd. And I think I went to the same guy you went to where I'm leaning back in a chair and there's water like plaster yes. <laughs> falling off the ceiling. Dripping in your eye. And the guy's wearing like Relax. a... Relax. <laughs> he's wearing like a plastic bib from Sea Galley. He's going, oh, there's a whole lot of blood. you got to rinse more. It hurt like hell, but you do it anyway. And I'm just like, all right. <laughs> and then on the way out, they say, would you like those three teeth pulled? Of course, it's been such an enjoyable experience. Why don't uh... I just lie back without any painkiller and let you pull out all my teeth? <laughs> Who wouldn't want to come uh, here? What were we talking about? Oh, so this here's what terrifies me, though. I actually would trust Priceline, but it's terrifying that I would trust them over, like, anybody who's dealing with my health care now. Anyway. Well, you'll probably like this uh, this co-op. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure I will. So wh- what is it? How does it work? Nobody's sure. Okay. About any of this, really. I mean, ah, never mind. Uh, you know, I'll save this. These to are your elected to... federal politicians who do nothing anyway. But I mean, Bill Maher of all people, who and you know that I don't really watch Bill Maher because that show gives me high blood pressure, and so I can't. I, I'm assuming I can't really watch it. So I just uh, I, I go home and I try to watch things that are soothing. But um, but Bill Maher said that thing. He was comparing uh, Obama to, to W, and he said that the thing about W is like he didn't wait to see if people were in favor of something. He just did, even if it was something everybody opposed. You know, I want to go to war. No, no, no. I'm doing it anyway. <laughs> war. You know, it's like, why doesn't Obama just do that with, you know, giving you all health care? Did you see that article yesterday? It was this awesome article in, uh, it was like the Times or Salon or somebody. But it was all worth it for the headline because we've been doing so much dogging of the of the Canadian and European health care systems because, you know, it's creeping socialism and whatever. And it was just the best article headline in Salon where it just said, Britons love their health care system. Don't care if Americans like it or not, which is real. And yes. it was just like, that was basically the gist of the whole article right there. So why doesn't Obama just say, well, I'm going to give you health care. If you don't like it, don't use it. I mean, I'd be in favor. I know there's something wrong with it. You know, when the president told when he was in office, W, when he told the Republicans he was going to do, he did it. Right. But Obama backs out from his own party. He needs to take all, take them all in the back room and whip them with something and tell them he's the boss. <laughs> I'm telling you right now, I will beat your ass with a shovel until you decide to embrace this program. Exactly. And that, that's what needs to be done here. All right. This guy suggests if you have alien eggs uh, coming out of your foot, you should just sell those alien eggs and then buy yourself a private doctor of your own. That's good thinking, sir. I admire your spunk. Mm -hmm. Let's do uh, one more here.
A jury has found John William Moyer guilty of groping a woman playing Minnie Mouse at Walt Disney World. Is Minnie Mouse some sort of a sexual game? I guess so. He was convicted of misdemeanor battery. Uh, the judge, Wayne Shoemaker, imposed a sentence. The verdict reinforces the fact that this type of behavior is unacceptable, says a Walt Disney World spokesman. Oh, it was actually at the park. Yes. Okay, so it wasn't like, now we're good. So when, like it wasn't a game of some kind, like some sort of a escape convict and the warden's wife kind of mm-hmm. thing. Uh, his son, the accused man's son, says, he's actually a good man, a very nice guy. <laughs> He described his father as a man who would never touch a woman inappropriately, except at Disney World, well, apparently. it wasn't a woman. She was a, she was a mouse. A mouse. Showing off her ankles. So, uh, Minnie Mouse, we won't give her out her real name, uh, pushed Moyer away from her after the incident. My first reaction was I just pushed him down. I was doing everything I can to get his hands off my breasts, said Minnie Mouse. <laughs> except in my head, I don't hear it that way. In my head, I was doing everything I could to get him away from my breasts. Scream! All right, sorry. <laughs> uh, it's a lot funnier if it's you're talking like Mickey Mouse and he's doing the assaulting. That's more the comedy is really there, but it's for the, the facts of the story don't really uh, support mm-hmm. that kind of comedy right now. And it's too early for me to be talking like a mouse. <laughs> Maybe I'll bring this back at eight. Now I can do that anytime. Give him my second shot. All right. Straight in the uh, next hour, we'll talk to Cedar Radio correspondent Steve Kastenbaum. Uh, Greg Nibbler is here filling in for Sarah X. Dillon, who we will uh, speak with later as well. Christy Turnquist from the Oregonian. Uh, last night's Mad Men will recap it. We'll talk about District 9. We'll recap last night's True Blood as well. You stay there. We are live from beautiful downtown Portland, Oregon. It's Monday morning. This is the Rick Emerson Show on Rock 101 KUFO. The Rick Emerson Show returns. I could take or leave him. It's okay. This is Rock 101, KUFO. Live from beautiful downtown Portland, Oregon, it is the Rick Emerson Radio Program. Thank you for joining us today. Uh, Coming up at 620, we'll talk to CNN Radio correspondent Steve Kastenbaum from uh, New York City. So... Uh, we have some great video. I haven't been able to post it yet because I think he's got to get, like, official clearance or, or whatever. But uh, we toured the place where he does his live shots. And we talked to Steve Kastenbaum in New York. He's in, in the sort of radio department, uh, which is plush, by the way, and, uh, and extensive. and goes on for miles and miles. Not at all like a small sort of closety room. So we, we you know, got to see everything there. We filmed that. And then he took us on the tour of the CNN building, which is like, how many floors would you say it was? I mean, it was like five or six or seven floors. Yeah, we were going constantly back and forth that elevator. Yeah, it must have been, I would say four or five. And it's in the Times, uh, or the um, the Time Warner building, which is itself, you know, massive. And has huge sort of Woody Allen-esque view of Central Park and everything. So it's pretty great. I got the, some film with that. We're going to try to get that posted uh, later on today. But we'll talk to Steve Kastenbaum coming up. Uh, later on in the hour, we'll talk to uh, Christy Turnquist from the Oregonian at 7 o'clock. We'll do the uh, weekend box office wrap-up. We'll talk about District 9. We'll do the True Blood wrap-up at 7.20 and at 8 o'clock today. And we'll talk about last night's episode of Mad Men. And before I do anything else, before we even go to the actual news desk, Tim, uh, I would like to do two things here, two small bits of business. One, to remind everybody that coming up later on, you'll hear the news story that contains this soundbite. Even more graphic, anal beer bongs and soaking tampons in vodka. I'm going to admit right now, by the way, that the rest of the story is sort of anticlimactic. That really is the, uh, that's the money line there. But, Tim, uh, because you're a crucial part of, uh, you know, everyone's day and everyone li- everyone's lives, and I don't like for you to think that these things are ever taken for granted, uh, I bought you something in New York. Seriously? Yes, yes. Um, what category would this fit under? You didn't have to, of course. Uh, it's a, it's an amusement. 
an amusement, uh, a party game, or something I would do by myself? Well, I think it's meant to amuse one in solitary. Okay. All right. Um, I uh, I bought you a uh, I bought you a plush toy. A it, plush toy. It is in fact uh, it is an alligator with a top hat who plays the accordion. Oh, that is very nice. No, no, no. But you don't know the half of it. Hold okay. on. I'll make sure my mic is up. Hold on. Well, it sounds like a foreign language. I bought this in Brighton Beach. And there was a whole series of uh, uh, Russian dolls that sing things to you, and all of them sound vaguely terrifying. <laughs> there was one I wanted to buy, but there was only one left, and a little girl had beaten us to it. It was a small pig, and I swear to God, it shouted at you. <laughs> I mean, it was like you would, and I, I can't really do like a, I can't do like a comedically sort of like a, you know, I can't fake Russian or whatever. But you could, it was like you would squeeze the sides of the pig, and it was, and all of a sudden you could just hear the sound of your relatives being ma- manacled and like, like stuck in a box somewhere. It was, That's it was great. awful. And the girl, and the girl loved it though. She's like, you know, and she's all like, you know, Russian, Russian, Mama, buy me the pig or whatever in Russian. But it's like you would squeeze the pig, and then like this guy sings, you know, he's, he's jaunty. He's... <laughs> but see, with the pig, you squeeze it, and immediately you could just sort of see the pig on a balcony somewhere, wearing like a series of festive armbands and screeching at people. It was it's all very unnerving. So that is an alligator playing yeah. an accordion and singing in Russian. It certainly appears to be the... Oh, God, have I broken it? Oh, God, now it'll never... Okay, now it won't play anymore. <laughs> oh, no. That's fine Russian craftsmanship is what that is. Well, it, it could be using Chinese batteries, too. How much did you pay for this? I don't want to talk about it. It's probably running on Chinese batteries. Well, I, you know, you have a tape of it now, Tim, so you can just listen back to it. Your well, heart's content. Well, thank you. Thank you for thinking about me in New York City. That's what I do. At the news desk, it's your personal savior, Tim Riley. In the news with Tim Riley. Good morning, everyone. 6.06. Get ready for another massive heat wave as temperatures get awfully close to 100 degrees by Wednesday. Today, we start up in the 90s. Jake from next door at uh, Couple tells us he drove on the brand new improved 405, which was closed all weekend, as over 100 people resurfaced that whole thing. So now, where, where, what are we talking about when you say the whole the whole thing? Because the 405 is, I mean, it's sort of massive. I mean, it's hundreds of miles, isn't it? No, no, you're thinking about 405 in California. But here's a dumb question: They're not connected, right? I no. mean, it's, it's not like you couldn't get on one and just drive all the way to this one. Correct. Okay. So how much of the 405 here was redone? Maybe five miles. Well, that's a lot, though. That's did they do it? You, but they did it all in one weekend. Yeah, most of it. I, I, I noticed possible. parts of it weren't done, but mm-hmm. uh, the lion's share of it were done. Excellent. Good for them. So four hundred five stretches from the interstate bridge, right, all the way to uh, the five southbound. Okay, well that is impressive. So a good actually. chunk of it, and that is not to be confused with the four hundred five in Seattle, which was also closed for the weekend to be refurbished. But, I mean, if they were able to turn that around, so they, you said they just, like, worked around the clock on yes. it? Okay, see, that's, there you go. That's government doing something right. Because I, I'm, it's like going to the dentist. You know, just get it all done at once. You see, if they, the teeth have got to be yanked out and paved over inside my head. You just do it all in one visit. I don't care if I can't talk for the next week. I just don't want to be going back over and over and over again in a bunch of sort of lingering treatments. That's the way they are to treat with roads. By the way, somebody has clarified why Lara and I were sitting there waiting for a subway last night this morning. Finally gave up and we took a cab. This guy says, uh, apparently debris was falling. This is great. Apparently debris was falling out of the ceiling 
and crashing onto the tracks. So um, there you go. So I, this is the same train that I was trying to take. So things were just sort of, hey, let me ask you this. One final question here. Yes. About that subway. If you're you're underground, it is a subway, and that car has to be fixed or repaired, like it's got a bad axle thing or whatever. Where does it go? Where do they take that to be fixed? I don't know. That's a good question. I mean, do they have like a subway? There must be some underground cave. That was my question. There's only two possibilities. There's an entire, like, mirror world underneath uh, New York where they have huge garages. But think of how massive they would have to be. Or there's, like, a garage somewhere, like, you know, in Queens where they just take the thing. But how would they get it there? Aha. See, now you're all going to think about it, too. Well, it does go above ground. I know. But how would they get it off the tracks? How would it, What could even be big enough to carry that thing? Ah, see, there you go. All right, welcome to my hell. Straight ahead, we have more from Tim Riley. We'll talk to CNN Radio correspondent Steve Kastenbaum. Uh, we'll talk to Sarah Dillon later on today. She is in New York City. We'll have last night's Mad Men recapped, last night's True Blood, and we'll talk about the weekend box office as well. Stay there. We're live from Portland. The Rick Emerson Show on Rock 101 KUFO. Share your thoughts with billions. They're scouring goose and commies. That's what freaks me out about them. Sour pusses. Call 503-228-4101. The Rick Emerson Show returns. And they make rotten toys. I feel so bad that I was, like, the talking, singing, dancing alligator thing that I brought back from Brighton Beach. I pressed the button once, it sang its song, he played the accordion, now he'll never sing again. I'm going to let it rest for a while. Yeah, I'm sure that, then I'll give it a good shaking. <laughs> That's how they do it in Russia. <laughs> You stand for two minutes, then you dig or I shake. All right. Uh, it's 503-228-4101. 503-228-4101. Thank you for uh, joining us in mere moments. We'll talk to Cena Radio correspondent Steve Kastenbaum, with whom we spent some great time uh, in New York. So Steve took us to a, a, a fantastic restaurant. I'll have him tell us. I'll have him give like a little his little sort of pitch for it in a second. But it was that sort of restaurant where you take people from out of town. Everybody's got one of those. And so Sarah and uh, Sarah's sister... And Greg and Greg's lovely wife, Katie, and my wife, Lara, and myself were all there in Brooklyn. So we went to uh, uh, dinner with uh, Steve Kastenbaum and uh, his lovely wife. So it was, uh, it was quite an evening. And then I, we ended up go- walking to like three or four different bars. And I can't even really, the whole night is sort of a blur to me. I can't really remember where we stayed over how long. It's all just kind of one big wash of noise. Tim Riley, what uh, headlines are we following for the good people of Portland today? Well, President Obama's giving up on his public health care thing. And now they're coming up with something else that nobody understands. Uh, Levi Johnston says he's okay with having a gay fan base. Binge drinking isn't for just college kids anymore. And imagine a 1,200-pound cupcake. Hold on, I'm imagining it now. Okay, done. By the way, in other news, Levi Johnston has a fan base, like of any kind. Let's welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show from New York City, CNN Radio correspondent Steve Kastenbaum. Hello and good morning to you, sir. Hey, Rick, uh, I don't hear you. Oh, wait, hello? And am I, I feeding... you can hear me, but I don't hear you. Hold on a second. Greg, am I not feeding the phone hello, for reasons... Hello. Okay, that's eh, all very... Uh, I'll just keep talking here, and oh, then I will... Oh, uh, shame if uh, I'll just, I don't uh, hear you. I'll just keep speaking, go. and... All right, there we go. Hi, how are you? Ah, now I feel better. That's right. There was uh, somebody in here uh, pressing buttons earlier. They'll be uh, they'll be found and beaten. Yeah, as they should be. Right, how's, uh, how's life, my friend? How was the rest of your weekend? It's great. I enjoyed the leftovers uh, from our dinner at an Italian restaurant. Oh. Uh, unintended. Well, with Billy Joel. Don't take this the uh, uh, the wrong way, but I was uh, I ate about five forkfuls uh, too many of that food, which was great, by the way. And I got the, I had the uh, it was what it was veal parmesan and some spaghetti or something, and that was 
It was great. But it's that kind where you're looking down and you realize, okay, this isn't really going to be enough to make like a good leftover selection out of it. Just because there's that amount of leftovers where it's small enough that it's just frustrating. You know what I mean? Right, right. There's not enough there to satisfy you the next day because you've already eaten too much. Yet, if you, uh, you know, weren't so enthralled by the cheese, the garlic, and, and the, the red sauce, you, you may have left enough. It's like having half a piece of pizza left on the tray, and you're like, this is just going to irritate me tomorrow, uh, so I better eat it now, even though you realize it's probably not a good idea, and then you force yourself to do it anyway, and you sort of play through the pain, but it was, uh, it was quite something. So uh, I was, I've been regaling everybody with the tales of Sarah and, or not Sarah, but uh, uh, Greg and uh, Greg's wife and a friend of his and my wife and I all touring the CNN Megaplex courtesy of you. So thanks again for that. It was my pleasure. And uh, I really enjoyed dinner. We went to one of those uh, local Italian family restaurants that, you know, all those places in Little Italy really wish they were, you know, where everything is just smothered in the best melted mozzarella and breaded and great red sauce. Wasn't that great? It really was. I have two questions. One is, well, I'll get to the second question here in a second. I have a, a subway question for you, though. Okay. Where are those subway cars? Let's say one of them just goes uh, kaput. It just it quits working. It just uh, something in the bifurcator just breaks. Where is it that they take those subway cars to be fixed? Is there a mirror world underground somewhere, or do they stick them on some massive piece of alien forklifting technology and haul them away to Queens? Uh, they actually have uh, rail yards uh, at the end of the lines on most of the subway lines. Like where you were in uh, Coney Island, not too far from there, is a really huge outdoor uh, rail yard. And they have uh, these massive warehouses in there where they lift up the, the, the train cars when, when they need repairs or maintenance. And uh, it's, it's pretty amazing to see a massive uh, subway car lifted up into the air. Yeah, because those things are huge. And we were trying to figure out exactly... Because, because I would like to believe that there's just this subterranean labyrinth of garages and mechanics and guys named Snuffy who are just sort of sitting around, you know, with overalls on waiting to fix stuff. But I didn't think it was probably the case. I'm sure there's a guy named Snuffy, but they're at the end of the line. It's not like it's under Manhattan. <laughs> um, second thing. So Laura and I are waiting for the uh, the train yesterday to get to the airport, a train that would never come, by the way, because <clears throat> as I read this morning, apparently sections of the ceiling were falling out somewhere. And so they decided to put the uh, the kibosh on that particular line running. But we were sitting and we're looking at these stalactites that are forming on the ceiling down in the subway tunnel. And we were trying to figure out exactly what would be forming those. And we never really did come to any sort of conclusion. Can you weigh in on this? Isn't that cool? In some areas, the, the groundwater still seeps through into the subway. You know, the subway was built. A lot of those tunnels are well over 100 years old. So they, they, they didn't have the technology back then that we have now that enables you to, to uh, pretty much make a tunnel watertight. So uh, that's basically the groundwater seeping through and, I guess, picking up the minerals along the way and forming, uh, is, is it stalagmites or stalactites? Well, stalactites are up on the ceiling. Stalagmites, which we also saw, by the way, uh, because we were standing there and we were, I don't know, talking about this and that, and we noticed that there was some water dripping down sort of on Lara's shoe, and we looked down, and where the water had been dripping for, you know, like 85 years or something, it, it had started to form a sort of... You know, it was like a, forming a kind of a bulge that it, that eventually was going to to be quite sizable. You could tell. So, yeah, it's like a whole weird, like trials of life ecosystem going on down there. Oh yeah, I mean there there you know there were always like people living in the tunnels in the darkest recesses of of Grand Central Station's tunnels. Uh, they they have these um, homeless outreach 
crews that go out there and look for them a couple of times a year. Yeah. I saw that movie. Yeah, there's that documentary, Dark Days, which is all about those guys who just, you know, for for 10 years lived down in these weird tunnels that are off in the outskirts of the of the unfinished subway tunnels down there, which is just fascinating and terrifying all, all at once. I saw some documentary where, like, a guy literally, like, made a home down there beneath uh, Grand Central, like, in one of the tunnels beneath Park Avenue. Like, he had, like, his own private entrance. Like, he would lift this steel grate off the sidewalk and just go down there. No, it was great. And then, actually, and I just saw in Los Angeles, too, they just discovered a bunch of sort of these secret underground um, labyrinth-type areas that were underneath the L.A. freeway because there were these big cement rooms that had been left. It was a room, but basically missing one wall. And it was like that during the construction because it was a place where the workmen would store all their tools. Mm-hmm. And then they were done building the, the L.A. freeway. They just put up the remaining wall, but they left the thing hollow. And so some homeless guys figured this out early on, and they chiseled out a few bricks big enough to make a door, basically. And so the people have been living inside these giant concrete blocks underneath the L.A. freeway for however many decades. It's all very, uh, all very weird. So, but it was, a, it was a great time. So I want to thank you for kind of giving us the guided tour of the whole joint. What was your favorite part of New York? Oh, man. I don't even, I, I don't even know. I, I have to say, because I am just such a big... Tim is, Tim is attempting to, to coax sound from this plush toy that I bought for him uh, at Coney Island. It is, it is an alligator wearing a top hat, holding a guitar, uh, an accordion, and when you squeeze the alligator th- or shake it vigorously and angrily, as Tim is now doing, it sings a song in Russian. <laughs> and it worked really, really well in the toy store. Bought it, laid down my uh, rubles or whatever, brought it home. It worked once about 15 minutes ago in the studio. It's never worked again. It's now completely quit working. I'm um, sure there's a lifetime guarantee. But I will say that because I'm... You can I'm, bring it back the next time. Do you have the slip? <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm sure the shop would have no problem with that. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. Um, can I just tell you this? But here's an awkward moment. So we're there. We're at Coney Island. That's the old area. And there's a lot of, you know, it's a very a lot of uh, Eastern European um, culture there. And uh, so as the demographics sort of change, we went into this one store because it was, you know, it was like a shoe store or something. And Lars like, let's go look at shoes. And I walk in and... The proprietors of the store obviously you know, had immigrated to America, and along the top, along the sort of um, uh, along the perimeter of the ceiling, they had for sale a whole series of what I can only call sort of propaganda posters from the Cold War. And you know, there's something really specific about Soviet artwork, and especially about Soviet military or wartime or propaganda artwork, where it's always like a Cossack in like a big fur hat pointing at you. And, he, you know, and in his other hand, he's got a sickle, and then he's standing on a globe, and then there's a bear doing something behind him, and then it just says, like, in, like, huge letters. And you, it's always very frightening, and you want to do whatever it is he's saying. So we didn't understand what any of these propaganda posters said. And I was going, like, well, that one looks like he's sort of shouting at me to, to not talk about something, but but I can't tell. Maybe, or is he? does he want me to drink a beer? What am I supposed to do? And the only people in the store, they were all like 50 years of age, and all speaking Russian, so obviously, you know, not born in America. And Laura and I had this whole weird, like, awkward decision-making process about do we ask these Cold War-era Russian immigrants to speak the propaganda poster text aloud to us? And then we opted not to at the end, because if it was like, well, what does that say, Mr. Russian guy? It says, death to Yankee American pig dog scum, you know? And then it would just, you know, and, and then there was, it would just be a weird silence after that. Mm, yeah. There's a lot of uh, interesting things going on down there in Brighton Beach, right next to Coney Island, because of the, the, the culture uh, change uh, shift. 
to uh, Eastern European over the last couple of decades. Yeah, it's it's um. It's it's a fun place. I will say though that there was uh, because I was largely raised by the television as a uh, as a young person. So a lot of my highlights were actually seeing some of the stuff that I'd only seen in media up close. I saw at Coney Island. There's that Wonder Wheel, which is in the movie The Warriors, the Walter Hill film. Uh, and then in Queens, I saw the uh, the house that is used for All in the Family. It's the house in which Archie and Edith Bunker lived. Um, I. Awesome. They did. It was, it was great. And Across I was, the street from a cemetery, which I never knew. See, and I had no idea either. And how could they I not have... shocked. During the whole run of the show, they never mentioned they lived across the cemetery, which I thought was an especially sort of great and poignant sort mm-hmm. of touch of uh, appropriate in a strange way. I was never able to find the building where Mr. Drummond takes Arnold and Willis to live on uh, different strokes. That was, one of my, that was one of my goals. That and the Jefferson's high-rise. But, uh, you know, maybe next time. I think uh, that's on the Upper East Side, the Jefferson's High Rise. I'm pretty sure it's um, like along Second Avenue, but I don't remember where. Does it make you sad uh, when I come to one of the greatest cities in all of the world, and it's a city rich with culture, and it is you know decades and decades and decades of art and science and uh, you know and exploration and innovation, and I just want to come see like the building from like you know the the, the, the Gary Coleman lived in. Oh, no, I think it's a lot more fun. In fact, I realized after you and I had parted ways on, on uh, Friday night that uh, I, I could have taken you to the other end of Smith Street for uh, an area that was used in a scene for Goodfellas, and I totally forgot. Do you remember when uh, Henry Hill's wife uh, is going to see uh, um, Robert De Niro's character, uh, and, and he's at a warehouse? Oh, come in and look at the dresses. Come in and look at the dresses. No, come on. No. Come on. No, come on in. No. That that scene, yeah, was shot at this warehouse all the way at the end of uh, Smith Street. Under awesome. The subway. Uh, see, well, see, now I have to go back. Now, I, this, is, this is like leaving something behind at a chick's house. Do you have a reason to go back? Now I have to go back to New York. Okay, we'll right. have you. Uh, on that note, well, see, now I'm already woefully over time. Uh, you're on this week. We'll talk more. We'll, uh, we'll talk. Okay. My people will call your people. Sounds good. All right, thank you. See you in a radio correspondent, Steve Kastenbaum in New York City. All right, there you go. Uh, straight ahead, we have more news from Tim Riley, uh, ladies and gentle folk. Coming up at 7 o'clock, we'll do our recap of the weekend box office with Christy Turnquist. 7.20, we'll talk True Blood. And coming up at 8 o'clock, Sarah Dillon joins us from New York City. Stay there. We're live from Portland. This is The Rick Emerson Show on Rock 101 KUFO. The Rick Emerson Show, live or via podcast at KUFO.com. Hey, what's next? Are people going to start having sex with ducks? When can that start? Live from beautiful downtown Portland, Oregon, it is the Rick Emerson Radio Program. And uh, coming up at 7 o'clock, we'll talk to Christy Turnquist from the Oregonian about the weekend box office, uh, including District 9. At 7.20, we'll do uh, our recap of last night's episode of Mad Men, the season three premiere. And then uh, coming up at 8 o'clock, we'll talk to Sarah Dillon and we'll talk a little bit about last night's True Blood. At this juncture, ladies and gentlemen, before we uh, proceed, we're going to let you know that the uh, cult is coming to the Roseland Theater Tuesday, August 25th. And if you, yes, you, are caller 10 right now, 503-228-4101, If you are caller 10, you'll be going to see the cult at uh, the Roseland Theater. And I think they're doing the Love album all the way through front to back on this tour. So uh, that is cool stuff. So that is uh, at the Roseland. And if you're caller 10 right now at 503-228-4101, you will uh, grab those tickets for yourself. At the news desk, your personal savior, Tim Riley. In the news with Tim Riley. Good morning from the KUFO News Center downtown Portland. 647 now. Get ready for another heat wave as temperatures soar back into the 90s today and will top out at about 100 degrees by Wednesday. 
So another period of hot weather, but shorter this time around than the last time. All right, so not going to be like excruciatingly long like the last time. No. All right. Somebody gets stabbed at your Safeway. Believe it or not, the Safeway uh, store, this is at 39th and Powell. Is this the one you frequent? Maybe. I don't know what happened there. <laughs> uh, one of the people Make, who works there got stabbed. That looked like a mark. Portland police are tight-lipped. They said the victim does not have life-threatening injuries. It was shocking, especially here, says one of the shoppers at the Safeway. You expect this to happen at 82nd, but not this far south. Is that the shopper saying that, or is, yes. your editorial, is that your editorial comment No, that there? is the shopper saying really? that. Really? They actually said you'd I, expect this at 82nd? Yes. Let me, can I just stop for a second? Do what, they usually announce things like that? You can expect to be stabbed in our store. And I, by the way, you will note that because we're not, uh, look, we're hacks, but we are, hacked them only go so far, I am skipping the obligatory clean up an aisle 12 joke. You just, you, I didn't even think about tunes that. Well, you, know, you know why, Tim? Because you're a man with a rarefied sense of comedy. What is wrong with 82nd? I mean, really, honestly, what is, why? Why all the killing and why? the maiming why? and the the everything and the whoring and the so forth? The fact that a person there, at, look, and don't get me wrong, I love my neighborhood, but let's not you and I confuse 39th with, uh, you know, it's not like the, the sort of the fluffy, uh, the, the pink cloud ringed by peacocks and candy canes where Tim lives. But the fact that even there, somebody would say, well, I mean, on 82nd, sure, but not here, not on Cesar Chavez Boulevard. Um, so there was a stabbing when? When did it happen? This happened Saturday when you were out of town. And it was, but it wasn't a customer, it was a guy who worked there. Yes. Well, you know, here's the thing I see every now and again, uh, you get some of the homeless guys that'll wander in there. And some of them get really um, obstinate about it. Like, they don't want to be made to leave. They, they'll get really sort of angry. No, homeless people are mean. They are. They're awful people, Tim. That's uh, they're they're uh, they're just uh, they're they're not uh, they're not like you and I. Let's just put it that way. So the homeless folks that I've seen go in there, they get really stubborn and really defensive and sort of I don't want to say violent, although clearly they get violent. There is some violence. That Let's happens. not say that they don't get violent because they do. But I got to give it up to the guys who work at that Safeway, as yeah, because that is, and I will say that I do patronize that Safeway quite a lot. I go there quite frequently, spend a lot of my money there, and. The guys there, whenever the homeless dudes come in and they start causing any sort of a ruckus, or if they just want to sit there and stink, like, hi, I want to sit here and just sort of marinate like I'm a piece of cheese in a greenhouse, the guys who work there will always come and move them right along. And they're not shy about going and picking them up by the cuffs and sort of tossing them, as my grandfather would say, out on their ear. So I have to give it up to them for doing that. But every now and again, you're going to find some guy who's, uh, I don't know, who's going to, going to shiv you or something for that. So, all right. Well, sorry, Safeway guys. Well, it was a big uh, hoopla in Concrete, Washington, the city of tomorrow. A time capsule buried in concrete more than 70 years ago was open to the amazement of the townspeople. The mayor, whose name is uh, Judge Wilson, uh, Judd Wilson, opened up the capsule as part of the town's Cascade Days. Inside were old photos, newspaper clippings, and pieces of concrete, the material that made the town of Concrete famous. This is what concrete looked like a hundred years ago. Was this really part of... You can be honest. Was concrete this days. was this was this the entirety of Concrete Days? Was this perhaps the high point, the beginning, and the end of Concrete Days? Well, except for the crap table where they, ma- they were making concrete shoes. It's like if Kalam is a little too uh, mm-hmm. a little too fast moving for him. All right, let's yeah. do uh, one more here. Uh, Seattle's Park Place Market turns 102 years old today. Noisy bands will play there, and they'll even serve birthday cake. Really? I was here over the weekend. I, I went to that bookstore you were telling me about that's across the street from the propaganda poster store. Oh, the BLMF? Store. And it was closed. Really? Yeah. Oh, uh, it's too bad. That place is small, but it's densely packed. There's this uh, there's this bookstore you can go to, and uh, some of you uh, Hepper cats will know about this place. 
It's at the the Pike Pike Place Market, Pike Street Market. You know, we had that guy clarify what it's called. Is it Pike Street, Pike Place Market? It says Pike Place Market. Pike Place Public Market. Uh, Anyway, so um, we went there, and there's a guy sitting behind the counter, and he's, you know, reading whatever. And I said, uh, so, uh, BLMF, what's that stand for? And he, without even looking, he goes, books like a mother effer. And then he just, like, keeps on reading. And I was like, all right, that's awesome. Oh, by the way, we come back. I should talk about the Nathan's famous a little bit because I was uh, I was at Coney Island, saw where they do the uh, you know the, the the Joey you know where Joey Chestnut retained the mustard belt. Coming up at seven o'clock, we'll talk to Christy Turnquist about the weekend box office featuring District Nine. Seven twenty, we'll talk about last night's episode of Mad Men. And eight o'clock, we'll be joined by Sarah X Dillon live on the phone from New York City. Stay there. We right now are live from beautiful downtown Portland, Oregon. It's Monday. This is the Rick Emerson Show on Rock One Hundred One KUFO. Share your thoughts with billions. Call 503-228-4101. Watch me go loop up Academy Award nominated actor John Turturro. Oh, yeah. The Rick Emerson Show returns. This is Rock 101 KUFO. Live from beautiful downtown Portland, Oregon, it is the... Rick Emerson radio program. In just moments, we'll be joined by Christy Turnquist from the Oregonian. We'll talk about the weekend box office. Uh, 7.20, we'll talk about last night's episode of Mad Men. Uh, at 8 o'clock, Sarah Dillon will call in from New York. She's there uh, today and tomorrow. I will let her... Here's the thing. I have this sort of virtual envelope that is sealed, and it contains some Sarah Dillon anecdotes that I either know about or sort of have heard a little bit about, but that I can't really discuss until she gets back on Wednesday. One of them is that she was caught in the middle of a bar brawl where everybody was wielding baseball bats. That's the only, that really is all I know about that. And there's apparently something else to do with a huge insect that she found somewhere. And I think there's photos of that. Um, we'll also talk about True Blood next hour. That's uh, coming up at 820. And Tim Riley will have a um, smattering of stories uh, that I missed last week. So big things that happened while I was gone. So Greg Nibbler, you are sitting in for Sarah Dillon today and doing a splendid job. And then Brent is over there filling in for you. And I'm looking here and it says... Guy on line one has a story about finding Hitler statue in Italy. How how good do you feel about this call? Really? Kind of a uh, maybe? Like on a scale of one to seven, how entertaining do you think this call probably is? A six? Well, that's pretty high. But you get a so-so, but it's a six out of seven? I don't understand you. All right, well, let's, now i got to do it. Hello, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show, sir. Madam, is the case maybe. Please to, uh, please to tell us this story. Oh, hi. Morning, Rick. Uh, morning, guys. Hello, hi. Uh, my name's uh, Peter, and uh, I heard your uh, propaganda story when you were back east this morning. Yes. And so uh, to kind of coincide with this, uh, I was on my honeymoon. This is seven years ago with my wife, and we were uh, in Italy, and we, this is rented a car uh, in Rome, went up past Florence, and so we're in northern Italy now. And we stopped at this gas station, and we uh, went to go inside to pay for the gas. And this place was a modern, you know, looking place. And I was waiting in line, huge line. And I was uh, looking at these white, you know, the paintable figurines that you can get. uh, Right. And uh, these things weren't small. These were like uh, two and a half feet tall, three feet tall on the top shelf. And these guys are doing, like, uh, waving or something like that. Then I realized, oh, my They're God. waving or something. Was it sort of a jabby was, kind of a wave? No, it was. They were, like, saluting. And yes. it was, like, almost like uh, my eyes were adjusting or 
I wasn't believing what my eyes were telling me because... So the gas station was just selling Hitler statues? This, yes. But the, like you could paint with your family, you know, for a good time? Yes, so you sit down with your uh, kids and you paint uh, Hitler and Mussolini, these three <laughs> figurines, on your coffee table. Collect the whole set. Seriously, is it, do they have like one next to that where it's like Pol Pot and, and Stalin and Mussolini playing poker? And then, like, you know, they had these on the uh, top shelf. I mean, these were like the highly prized ones. And then they had, you know, other cutesy ones put down below, like bunnies and horses and other things that you could paint like that. John Wayne Gacy. These were the prized ones. And I I just couldn't believe it. And, you know, it, it, what has it been like 60 years? Did you ask the guy, like, in whatever language you go, like, hey, what, what is up with that? I I was, my wife, uh, she speaks Italian. Um, but I was, I was like, oh my god, what? Are you seeing this? And she was like, yes. And she was, she was like stunned, and she wouldn't even. Uh, I mean, but see, I don't think I could restrain myself. I think I'd have to ask the guy, like, hey, so uh, Hitler, how's that stuff? Does that move? You know, I just, I mean, why? I mean, why would you be selling that and not like baby on board things? I mean, is there, can there really be? It just seems like that. Uh, that's merchandise that's going to. Uh, that's not really going to pay for itself, I would think, in terms of, uh, you know, your return on investment there is minimal in many, many, many ways. Yeah, yeah. But, I mean, the, the, and the creepy thing about it was was uh, one of the guys who worked there. <laughs> was the uh, Hitler part? What, uh, he, I mean, he was like this little sawed-off uh, you know, uh, German-looking fellow. And, I mean, he was very old. What German-looking fellow? He was saluting? Bright blue, bright blue eyes, and he comes up to me, and he sees that we're, like, looking at the statues, and we're talking to each other, and we're looking at the statues, and we're, you know, obviously American. And he, then he starts looking us up and down, and he starts laughing, and he's, like, right there, you know, in my face, like, laughing. And the guy's, you know, you know, barely, not even five feet. And and I, I it was just, we're like, what? Yeah, please don't take this the wrong way. We have to end this call. You're creeping me out. Not you personally, you understand. I'm, I'm sure you're not a Nazi. Totally creeped out. All right. Excellent. Thank you, sir. All right. There you go. All right. And okay. Hello, Christy Turnquist in the Oregonian. How are you? I'm fine, and welcome back. It's really good to see you. Sorry about your juxtaposition to a Nazi story there. I'm, well, uh, you know, no reflection on you. you that's okay. I'm, I'm, I'm used to it. <laughs> hey, speaking of guys who look like Hitler, though. So weekend box office. So let's talk about. Did you see District Nine? I haven't seen it, but I really, really, really want anybody. To. Am I no. the only one? Am no. I the sole person who can relate to the average American today? Yes. No, I was gone all Sad weekend. state of affairs. Brent, District 9? All right, can we get uh, Brent's uh, microphone up over there? <laughs> all right. Uh, does Brent know how to... Don't take this the wrong way. Does Brent know how to use that microphone? Uh, he does not. And right, that there's a lot be, of buttons on it over there. That would be my fault. All right. Well, never mind. <laughs> I'll explain that to him. All right. On a scale of 1 to 7, you can just hold up your fingers again. All right. 6. All right. Huh? Uh, District 9 is awesome. It is... It's fantastic. Freaking tastic! It is amazing. What's it, is, it about? Uh, it is. I almost don't want to say too much. Uh, I won't reveal any more than than, than is in the trailer. It is about. It takes place. Uh, it's retrospective. It, it it takes place as a retelling of past events, sort of documentary style. But it posits that twenty years ago, an alien spacecraft, not unlike an Independence Day, huge spacecraft, kind of just descends into the atmosphere, and hovers. And this is the interesting part. Because you realize how acclimated you are to certain sci-fi conventions. It doesn't go over Manhattan, doesn't go over L.A. It just hovers over Johannesburg for like three months and just sits there. And then eventually we, we, we go up to inspect it and it's full of aliens. And then the aliens get resettled in what is essentially a slum in Johannesburg. So they basically are in this walled-off compound in Johannesburg. 
And uh, I think I've seen the trailer for that. It is. It's. But, you know, I'll just leave it there because it's so not what I expected. I mean, it has elements of things you've seen before, like that movie Alien Nation that came out years ago and, you know, a little bit of the Independence Day thing, but but way more serious. It's really, really, really good. And it doesn't talk down to you. It's not insulting. It doesn't. It's it's relatively free of cliche. It's it's fantastic. I can't recommend it highly enough. Well, what's I mean, what's a sort of amazing about it is that. Um, you know, from from what I've heard, it basically is is dealing with issues of apartheid using this alien race. Yeah, you can read anything into it. You can because it's set in Johannesburg, so there's all the sort of cultural import there. You can, I mean, you can look at it and see Halliburton or Blackwater yeah. Yeah. or any of those because it's it's not the military that does it. It is a private military contracting security firm that is sort of the big bad guy. But it has everything. It's got great action sequences. The hero is not. A, a saint, you know, nobody, everybody is sort of morally ambiguous in some ways. And yeah. he does look a little bit like, he looks a little bit like John Cleese's Hitler. Um, <laughs> I, saw, just, I saw a clip from the movie and he does look a little bit like There's no that. getting around it, but uh, <laughs> it's really good. I can't speak highly enough. We tried to see Time Traveler's Wife. We actually had, uh, because I just, I have no independent thought. And uh, I had tickets, but then I wasn't able to go. Um, so well, we had tickets and then missed it. Well, the um, another amazing thing about District 9 is that it was made for only $30 million dollars. And it's already made thirty-seven million. Excellent, estimated. Um, and it's an example of you know something that's imaginative. Didn't cost a lot of money. It's from a director nobody's heard of. This guy named Neil Blomkamp, who's a, you know he's only in his late twenties, um, South African guy. But it was very shrewdly marketed to take advantage of Peter Jackson's Peter Jackson. name, yeah. you know, because he's the producer and right. Blomkamp is a protege of his. Um, so it's 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 encouraging that something that out of the ordinary um, managed to find the audience. And I think they did do a good job of sort of, uh, you know, whipping up the fanboys. No, it's it's, turned out it's great. It, but... It's really awesome. And uh, so let's do this, actually. Let's get caught up. We'll come back. We'll talk about Mad Men. Lesson, speaking of whipping up the fanboys, because that was that was the other big, huge pop culture event it was Mad Men season three premiere, which you saw. So Tim Riley, Christy Turnquist, myself will talk about Mad Men season three when we get back. You stay there. The Rick Emerson show is live from beautiful downtown Portland, Oregon. Don't go anywhere. It's Monday morning. The Rick Emerson show on Rock 101. Broadcasting in color. Huh? Yeah, that's right. Who's Rick now, Mr. Ricky man? The Rick Emerson show returns. Live from beautiful downtown Portland, Oregon, it is the Rick Emerson radio program. Back and live after about uh, 10 days off, uh, give or take. Uh, coming up at 8 o'clock, we'll talk to Sarah X. Dillon, who is in Brooklyn for two more days. Uh, she's there with her uh, lovely sister. That is today, tomorrow, and then she's back Wednesday. Greg Nibbler in for Sarah Dillon and uh, our friend Brent uh, in for Greg today. Coming up at 8.20, we'll talk about True Blood, and then Tim Riley will have an overview of stories uh, that we didn't really get a chance to talk about, but with my being uh, gone and so forth. Tomorrow, I don't have time to do this today. Tomorrow we'll talk about uh, my night at the, not like I was performing, but my night, I went to the Apollo Theater. I was headlining. the, um, And then uh, I went to the Freak Show at Coney Island, which was, uh, and I have video of that, by the way. It's not online yet, uh, but uh, that's going to be up. All right. We're here with Christy Turnquist from The Oregonian. And uh, this is a good time now to uh, discuss last night's season three premiere of Mad Men. So Christy Turnquist, pop culture writer for The Oregonian, Tim Riley, newsman extraordinaire. Christy, we'll start with you. Your thoughts on last night's Mad Men season three premiere. Well, I just I was just reveling in every moment of it. I mean, it was like revisiting members of my own dysfunctional family to see all these characters again and to sort of, you know, drop back into their lives and sort of see what what the what the issues that are going to be sort of confronting them this season are. 
um, you know, because we have the answer to what what year it is. Although they, they don't actually say, but it's 1963, right. and we can kind of tell because. Uh, Betty's pregnancy hasn't moved on much farther right. than that. It's almost like we've just been away for summer vacation. Yes. Well, it didn't, because between one and two, it skipped ahead like a year and a half yeah. or something. Yeah. Yeah. And this was just, yeah, just a matter of months. Um, you know, and we've, you know, they've sort of set the table for a lot of things that are going to be happening this season in terms of creating this rivalry between um, Pete Campbell and Ken Cosgrove. I love the, that Ken Cosgrove guy. He, uh, guy. He's just hilarious to me for some reason. It's just the way he speaks, and he's got that really weird, clipped, really white guy delivery that is just, there's something about the way he does it, though, that oh, there's yeah. uh, he's more than the sum of his parts. So I think we're going to see more of him. Yes, well, you know, he is the published author. Uh, wait, no, no, no. Is he the published author? Oh, that's right, because yeah. much, to the, much to the envy of what's-his-name, yes. the other guy, yeah. Yeah, so I get the feeling that he's sort of like the stand-in for sort of a waspy, uh, yeah. John Cheeverish kind of character. Um, yeah, so he's he's fascinating, but I love Pete. Pete is just so just such wonderfully... Just a smarmy little bastard. Smarmy. I adore every smarmy bit of his smarmitude, and it was wonderful to just watch him, you know, wriggle on the edge of this hook last night when he... Found out that he was going to be going up against yeah, Cosgrove. He's just he's just such a terrible person. I've hated him since the moment he said it's a chip and dip back or whatever back in season one. <laughs> now I'm going to get a gun. It's like I just, I've been yeah that guy's bugging well, me for like the, the chip and dip thing was actually a gift from Matthew Weiner's parents' wedding. Did you in read like that, 1959? Really? Did you read that same Vanity Fair yeah, article. Same Vanity yeah. Fair article. <laughs> I was just let's talk about reading a Vanity Fair. <laughs> <laughs> Let's all put on makeup together. The uh, so that Pete Campbell guy, but haven't we all worked with a guy just like that? Yes. Everybody has worked with that guy. Oh yeah, I mean, which is you know th- for good and bad. Um, but Vincent Cartizer just does a great job with that character yeah. because he's just utterly despicable, but he's so entertaining at it. We should say that uh, uh, last well, two weeks ago, the week before we went on vacation, we interviewed uh, Brian Bat, who plays and Salvatore. That, that was a really good interview. Um, and that, you know, and I, I didn't ask him for spoilers, and I knew he wouldn't have given to us, but I said, where does your character go this, this season? He goes, oh, lots of places. <laughs> And so last night we see uh, his first uh, sort of actual interaction, um, you know, with another man. Yeah. And then I, I guess I should say, like, spoilers, lol, yeah. if you haven't seen last night. But well, the, the young man came in to fix the temperature of the room, which steadily went up <laughs> even more. <laughs> and I mean, and there's that moment where Don Draper looks in the room and it's like, because he's there with the. Stewardess that he's not supposed to be bonking, but is. Yeah. And then Salvatore's there with the, the you know the guy, the bellhop or whatever. Um, and th- that moment, you know, is just a very well done. Really, really well done. And then that great sort of follow up on the plane when Don leans over to Sally. He hasn't said anything. And about you think he's going to say him. something? Yeah. But he doesn't. Yeah. He but says, "I want to ask you a question, and I want you to be honest." And you think he's going to say, oh, well, are you gay? But but I, I think he communicated in, he in the way that they would have back then, yeah. where he said something about uh, not overexposing yourself or I actually, something like that, down, which had the same I, meaning. I loved that line because he was supposedly talking about, I mean, the he London, was talking the, about the, the raincoats, like a tagline mm-hmm. for selling raincoats. Yeah. Don't overexpose it yourself. Li- exactly. Limit your exposure. And, or limit your exposure. Yeah. That's right. And so, you know, and he, what a nerd I am. I immediately uh, went online to, to Google that to see if it was a real, you know, because I do that with a lot of their ad campaigns to yeah. see if they're really real ad campaigns. Was it? Um, see, and I don't know because I was Googling the wrong phrase. I was Googling don't overexpose yourself. Ah, and she yeah. didn't go into the, they didn't uh, pick up on the Fritos thing, which is you just can't eat one. Right. But I think we're right. coming to that. Yeah. The stewardess is talking about mm-hmm. that. So there's, so the moment, and they played that just right with Don Draper too, where, because it is the sixties. And so, you know, he sees Salvatore in the room with another guy and that I think it would have rung false 
if he'd had like a whole like, well, it's okay with we're all brothers under the skin. It just would have would have been it would have felt like a platitude. Yeah, it yeah. wouldn't have happened back then. Yeah, yeah. and and it wouldn't have. but obviously Don Draper himself is a man with different facets. And one face he shows the public, yeah. one face whatever. And the whole show is about sort of the the pressure to try to keep that surface while underneath there's all these tensions that that are threatening to rip apart totally. the surface that you work so hard to protect. Uh, Tim, other thoughts on Mad Men last night? Uh, let's see. Duck Phillips gone, apparently. Totally just without yeah. a trace. Just yeah. vanished. Uh, let's see. Some of the great line. Bert, he's uh, talking to his new uh, British bosses. You make me sick. You're the dying empire. We're the future. Drop dead, you limey vulture. <laughs> <laughs> that guy was the best firing ever. That was great. <laughs> and, and that's why they only fire people on Fridays now. Because yes. this is probably in the middle of the week. I mean, he went through that office just smashing things up. Decreases the chances of an incident. Mm-hmm. And yet they let it go on. No, oh, there, yeah. there was no security back then, apparently. Well, that's I, that's because the British mail secretary is no Joan Holloway. I, oh, that's uh, true. Yeah, I love the uh, I love the fact though that Peggy has a secretary like a girl who who ignores her because she's obviously because <laughs> she's a woman and so therefore she doesn't get the respect. Yeah. And so she had you know th- th- she has a secretary, but it does her no good at all. <laughs> Poor Peggy. Yeah, it's. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I don't even. I mean, I can't even really predict what's going to happen. Uh, this there's, season. Well, there's obviously going to be sort of more uh, back and forth pressure between Sterling, you know, Sterling Cooper and the, and the, the British, British owners agency. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm just I'm just I'm wondering what's going to happen not only with with Pete and Ken, but I mean, here is Don supposedly warming up milk for his pregnant wife. And the first thing when he goes to Baltimore is he's ready to bonk the stewardess. Right. Right. Don well, cannot control his urges. Oh, hey, but how <laughs> great is it that it starts by showing the whole thing of his dad oh, yeah. knocking up the the hooker, yeah. uh, the prostitute, and then the prostitute who has him, yeah, and he's then you know he has to be raised by these parents who know that he's like the horse kid, and yeah, yeah. I mean, another great thing from the Vanity Fair article is John Hamm, you know, the actor who plays Don Draper. Uh, when he auditioned, Matthew Weiner said, "This guy was not raised by, by his, his parents. parents, and he wasn't. His dad died, and he was raised by his wow. grandmother. Yeah. I had no idea. Yeah, and he had a very difficult relationship with his dad before he died." And the other question is, was Betty so raked with guilt over her one-night stand that she took Don back to live out her perfect little dream world? You know, I have been wondering, I, you know, Peter Carlin accused me of being a, a misogynist about this, but she bugs me. That the character just bugs the living daylights out of me. And I know that I, I'm supposed to, it's the feminine mystique, and it's like Betty for Dan, and I'm supposed to feel her smothering suburban existence whenever she just grates on me, man. It's like she just works my last nerve like nobody's business. Well, you know, Matthew Weiner says that the first season was about her being a child. Last season was about right. her being an adolescent. And so I guess this season, maybe she'll grow up a little. It I don't would know. be nice. I, I don't know if it's going to have, maybe it's just going to be more interactions with her and that weird bucktooth kid from down the street. Hey, Ooh. here's just a real brief thing. Speaking of whatever happened to, so Duck Phillips gone. Uh, why did uh, January Jones take uh, John Hamback? Why did, you know, why did Betsy take him back? And then whatever happened to the weird kid's mom, the single, the divorced hippie chick who lived down the lane. Oh, yeah. She's yeah. been long gone. I was yeah. a big fan of hers. And yeah, everybody was just sitting like coffee clatch about her. But I uh, I was a fan. I wish they'd bring her back. Yeah. So what have we got? Do you think this season, do you think this year we'll get the Kennedy uh, assassination? You know, he orig- Matthew Weiner originally said that he wasn't going to touch on that. But I think he's going to since it's They're set in 1963. Yeah, you yeah. can't not. You yeah. Because can't not this is later in 63. Yeah. This is a few months later. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah, it's just, I, uh, I think it's inevitable. I, I bet he saves it till November. Ooh. It's just, it's just, it's just exceptional on on all fronts. So Mad Men season three premiere. If you haven't watched it, you got to start watching it. Greg Nibbler does not watch Mad Men. Well, I haven't yet. I haven't had time to watch. You that. will be watching Mad. I Mad will Men. be watching Mad Men. All right. Did you see? Do you watch Lost? 
Uh, no. Oh, okay. See, I was. <laughs> gonna, I, I don't. I don't watch Lost, so therefore you cannot watch. See, Lost. I don't. And how right. foul fitting is this? Actually, there's a big Lost billboard in Times Square that I saw, and Sarah Sarah missed it somehow, and and I saw it, and it was like obviously a big tantalizing thing they put up for for Lost nerds. So um, so that's starting up again, I guess, in uh, in September. So well, she was watching people being beaten with baseball bats. I don't know what man chaos follows that girl. Don't get me wrong, but you got to stay away from Sarah. Yeah, I, mean, I, I just, heard that uh, that whole story, and no. yes, it's terrifying. Yeah, it caused. Yeah, she causes a ruckus. I haven't heard the whole story. I just know the like the little bullet point of it. Wow. Uh, Christy Turnquist, what is coming up in the Oregonian? I am uh, talking to some of the people involved in putting on the Twilight Over Portland convention. Portland's first Twilight convention coming up at the end of August. Oh, hooray! Read all about it. <laughs> Okay. I, here's the thing. I won't go, but I will read all about it. Oh, I might go. Good. My wife will make me go. I'm just going to cut right to the end of the page there. All right. <laughs> Straight ahead, more news from Tim Riley coming up at the top of the hour. We'll talk to Sarah Dillon, and at 820, we'll do our True Blood recap. Thank you, Christy Turnquist from the Oregonian. You stay there. We are live once again from beautiful downtown Portland. It's Monday. Don't go anywhere. More of the Rick Emerson Show in mere moments. Only on Rock 101. KUFO, putting the cult in pop culture. Greetings, Optimus Prime. I am Mega Chest. The Rick Emerson Show returns. Live from beautiful downtown Portland, Oregon, it is the Rick Emerson Radio Program. Sometime before 9 o'clock this morning. Going to be giving away a pair of tickets to KUFO Summer of Rock, the Pedal to the Metal Tour, starring Mudvayne, Black Label Society, Static X, and more. It is uh, happening Sunday, August 23rd, the Washington County Fairplex. Tickets still on, uh, on sale at TicketsWest.com. Save the Earth, ride the max. It stops right at the fairgrounds. You can find out more at KUFO.com. So that's sometime before 9 o'clock this morning. At the news desk, your personal savior, Tim Riley. <laughs> In the news with Tim Riley. Good morning for the KUFO News Center at downtown Portland. 745. Get ready as another heat wave is quickly approaching. Temperatures soar back into the mid-90s today, and they reach nearly 100 degrees by Wednesday. So it's going to be hot like before, but not quite as long. By Thursday, temperatures should be uh, lowering just a bit. A young cougar sauntered into a wedding party in Washougal over the weekend. The guests scared, uh, stared Fair back at the big cat. guys. And then it moved from the area without eating the guests. This no. is the second cougar spotting in the past few days in that same area. A Spokane man will spend the next four years behind bars for stockpiling illegal weapons. 67-year-old Ronald Struve stole 37 machine guns, 54 grenades, grenade launchers, and plastic explosives from military bases. That's good security. That's deeply unnerving. Mm -hmm. He kept the arsenal in storage units in Bellevue and Spokane. He'll also be forced to undergo mental health treatment. Well, from Phoenix comes word that experts have an alert for parents as the school year begins... There are brand new ways that kids are taking and hiding drugs. This from ABC 15 in Phoenix. An alert for you parents tonight as the school year begins. There are brand new ways kids are taking and hiding drugs. We want to warn you, though, this story is graphic. And only on ABC 15, Nicole Byer talks to one person who knows all the tricks to help you spot the so, warning signs. I should actually point out here, so that the woman they go to here... I don't really know who she is. I, I, I'm not sure if she actually explains sort of how it is she came to be in possession of all this drug knowledge. Um, but she is sort of giving you the, the lowdown on like how it is that the uh, that the kids might be uh, you know hiding their uh, hiding their illicit wares. So she's kind of a overly tan, overly bleached, overly blonde, 
Kind of looks like she ought to be a cosmetologist, Luann Hill sort of a woman. Well, one must protect your skin in Phoenix in, yeah. as blazing sun. That's right, your skin and children. Isn't that Tim? the valley of the sun? It, it is indeed. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so they go to this woman who looks like she ought to be working like at Hot Tips Nails place maybe. And then she's sitting there with like all of this like drug paraphernalia on the table in front of her. And then she's going to tell you about you know protecting your children. Here at Stephanie Siete says she's seen it all working with Community Bridges, a substance abuse treatment and detox center. If you look at something like the water bottles, we're Arizonans, we drink a lot of water. So this is like a bottle that you can take the top off of it and there's like a hidden compartment for your weed or whatever. It's a storage. It's a stash area. Not only are kids stashing hash in hidden compartments, but the latest... Hash. These kids are saying hat. Kids are saying tie stick by the bundle. So just we're going to enter full Jenkum territory here in a minute. Uh, so That's if you what all, I was thinking. If you remember the great Jenkum yes. scare. Greg, were you here for the Jenkum scare? I am not aware of that. Do you know what I'm talking about? No. What? Oh, dude. Okay, next hour. We're going to we'll flash back next hour. Uh, to, to the, there was this drug scare that I swear to God was real. And uh, we'll we'll get to it. And then it went away. It, it was, it, but it was widespread. Even the Portland cops were talking about it. You wouldn't believe me if I told you. Suffice it to say, it all will be revealed like in the next hour. But right. it was a drug scare from about eighteen uh, months ago. This is a slightly toned down version of that. But uh, we'll continue with this new story. Trends include snorting vodka, snorting vodka shots. Even more graphic, anal beer bongs and soaking tampons in vodka. I don't even know where to start with that. Snorting vodka. Greg, I wish Sarah was here to answer this. I unfortunately have never snorted vodka. Uh, Uh, But I mean, I don't know. Why would you do that? I don't know why you would do it or how you would even. I mean, you'd have to get like an atomizer, like a, like a, uh, you'd have to get like it was nasal spray, like an Afrin dispenser or something. (laughs) I don't know. Yeah. Why wouldn't you just drink it? Uh, See, that doesn't make any sense. You know, what's funny is I was, you know what I just finished last night? What book I finished was The Heroin Diaries, that Nikki Six book that uh, he did the soundtrack for. And they talk about how they at one point were injecting Jack Daniels because they'd run out of heroin and then they ran out of Coke and they had nothing to inject. And at one point they were crushing up sleeping pills and mixing them with water and injecting them. And then they just started injecting Jack Daniels. But like that's done in a way that you realize that it's retarded. (laughs) Like it's stupid. Um, But why, why wouldn't you? And he, and Tommy Lee says, he goes, it would never occur to us. We could just drink the Jack Daniels. (laughs) That's Tommy Lee, though. Like, why would a kid not just, I mean... Even more graphic, anal beer bongs and soaking tampons in vodka. <laughs> it's quicker absorption. It's, now, listen, it's... this is this is the best part. When this woman is talking about the vodka-soaked tampons, which I swear to God I'm not making this up. This is an actual news story that they spent money to investigate in Phoenix. And then she uh, she feels the need to point out that tampons like this would harm girls. It's quicker absorption. It's 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 hidden. And it's new. And for females, I mean, they're damaging their reproductive systems. But that's not all. If you think your kid is studying, look a little closer at their highlighter. It, too, becomes a pipe. Lipstick works the same way. Then there's pocket shots filled with alcohol. So the this is apparently a groundbreaking report in Phoenix that kids in Woodshop use all of their equipment to make something into a bong, which I think my brother could have told them like 30 years ago. Not to mention the energy drinks. So, That's, so they go right from vodka-soaked tampons and, I swear to God, anal beer bongs to her holding a can of Red Bull, which is just Red Bull. No secret compartment. No, it's not full of crack. It's just Red Bull.
if you don't have time to drink the big can, you can take a shot of your high doses of caffeine. Stephanie says if your 12-year-old is drinking this much caffeine, it begs the question, what will they be doing at 15? That's why she says it's so important for parents to intervene. It's hard to recognize. As a lot of drug use looks like the everyday common cold, allergies, the flu, runny nose, watery eyes, tired. Who isn't tired? This YouTube video is one way kids are learning to do drugs. And if you're a parent wanting to learn more about spotting off behavior or you think your child is a problem, Community Bridges offers free help. Just log on to abc15.com and click on 15 links. Nicole Byer, ABC 15 News. I so desperately want to call some intervention organization and tell them my kid is using an anal beer bong. I just, I want to do that like you, like you don't even know. Just one more time, the key sentence here. Even more graphic, anal beer bongs and soaking tampons in vodka. There you go. That is uh, Phoenix's ABC 15. Tim, anything to add to that? No, except that Oregon may soon get a poop-to-power plant, just like Boise has. Really? Yes. We'll be talking about that in a few minutes. Excellent. Coming up next hour, we'll talk to uh, Sarah Dillon live from New York. Stay there. We are live from Portland. Don't go anywhere. This is The Rick Emerson Show on Rock 101 KUFO. The Rick Emerson Show returns. I could take or leave him. It's okay. This is Rock 101 KUFO. Live from beautiful downtown Portland, Oregon, it is the Rick Emerson Radio Program. It's 503 228 4101. 503-228-4101. And uh, you can also text us uh, anytime. 520-51. In mere moments, we'll be joined by Sarah Dillon, who is uh, live in New York City. Coming up at 820, we'll talk about last night's episode of True Blood. Tim Riley will do a recap of uh, all... Uh, because I don't even think we've been off the air for like two hours couple weeks ago uh, when John Hughes died. Mm-hmm. I mean, I didn't even, usually I have to actually go on vacation or we, we all have to be gone. This, I just had to leave and go home. I don't even, I don't think I've been home for more than an hour and John Hughes got killed. Um, and then there was, wasn't there a Kennedy of some sort who died? Oh, Eunice Shriver. She was like a thousand years old or something. Yeah, she looked it. Boy, somebody sent me a creepy photograph of her. It was like she was attempting to be nice to some children. She was like trying to, she was on a boardwalk somewhere, you know, like by the ocean and she was attempting to like, I don't know, she was like saying hello to some kids, but she looked for all the world like that guy from Poltergeist 2, that sort of let me in guy. So she was freaky. And then um, and then Les Paul. So that's uh, two and yep. a half celebrities. So because uh, the Kennedy thing is sort of a niche celebrity, but still, I mean, it was just uh, so the death curse was in full effect. Uh, and then we'll do a little recap of the whole Jenkum story from a year and a half ago for Greg, who doesn't really know what Jenkum is, but uh, has been hearing us talk about the story containing this fine phrase. Even more graphic, anal beer bongs and soaking tampons in vodka. So that's all in the way. Tim Riley's tracking the following headlines for you on this Monday. Well, Salmon Cowell misses picking on Paula Abdul. Uh, a Texas man shoves a tortoise down his pants. Seinfeld will be the first guest on Leno's new 10 o'clock show. And Lady Gaga hints she may be a lesbian. I thought she was a hermaphrodite. Did I'm you guys sure. cover that while we were gone? No, we did not. Uh, there was no Lady Gaga talk. She's apparently got a... Uh, uh, penis. Really? Yeah. Well, I mean, I saw the video. It's pretty convincing. Let's uh, welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show, uh, Sarah X. Dillon, who is in. Are you in Brooklyn? Where are you at right now? I'm in Brooklyn, still in my pajamas, watching my show called Life. It's amazing. Awesome. So that's what you were doing yesterday around this time. So it's good to see that you're in a groove. 
I know. I've kind of powered through the entire series. I'm about uh, three quarters of the way done at this point. I think I'll get it done by tomorrow. Fantastic. So what? Uh, I don't even know where to begin. Um, so I kind of teased some stuff that you'll talk about on Wednesday when you get back. The the brawl thing I mentioned, and uh, I did we say what kind of tour she was going on? Tim, did you reveal what tour she was going on? Did I talk about that on the air? I'm not sure. Well, we'll just say you went on a you went on a gossip girl tour. Yes, uh, I, did, I did indeed, and it was just as hilarious as you might expect. It was it was horribly like Heather and I were about. Uh, 10 to 15 years older than, like, the oldest other person there. Awesome. parents had to escort, like, a lot of the 12-year-olds along the tour. It was amazing. Excellent. But, yeah, there's just been a whole bunch of crazy following me this entire week. It's been kind of amazing. I felt like this huge, like, knockdown, drag-out bar brawl. I've met, like, insane people everywhere I've gone. It's been really fun. And today I'm actually going on a bike ride all around uh, Brooklyn and Long Island City, and we're going to go to PS1, which was, the uh, you know, the first school in New York City, and now it's a modern art, uh, like, art gallery. Excellent. And then, were you able to? Uh, did, were you able to find a place that was showing Mavin last night? No, but I'm going to go to a coffee shop right down the street uh, right after we get off the phone and watch it because they have Wi-Fi there, and I'm going to find it on the internet and watch it. So I'll be all caught up, and I'm going to watch that and True Blood. Those, those are my first two goals for today. All right. So just just so you know, I don't know if I mentioned this or not. So uh, I don't know how. Where are you in True Blood? Did you watch last? Did you watch last week's? No, I'm two episodes behind, so I'm going to get all caught up today, so that'll be good to go by, yeah, by tomorrow. It's a good couple of episodes. Uh, I'm not sure. I can't remember if I, if I thought this or actually told you, but last week's episode, there's a, there's a very awkward uh, moment. There, about, about halfway through, there's an awkward moment of vampire physiology. So, hey, are there any weird orgy scenes? So I'm going to look like a total pervert in the middle of the coffee shop. Yes, yes, actually, there is. Uh, well, here's the thing. So, um, I was catching up on it. Lauren and I went to Coney Island. We took the uh, the train to Coney Island uh, Saturday, and I was trying to catch up on True Blood. So I watched last week's episode, and I have it on my on my handheld on my MP3 player thing, which also plays video. And so I'm watching it. I have headphones on, so nobody can hear it. But it's like every time there's like somebody's getting their hump on it's like i have to sort of like cup the thing and like hold it up to my eye turn it away so nobody else can see it because it looks like you're watching sort of high quality porn uh but uh it's good though i'll be curious to know your thoughts who are you you kidding come on true blood is high quality. it is high quality porn. (laughs) so last week's is okay but i gotta tell you there's this yet last night's installment of true blood which we'll talk about uh uh, i'll do the recap of that uh in the next uh in the next segment but last night's episode of true blood you're yeah i'm gonna want to know your thoughts on it there's a there's a whole lot of shameless pandering that goes on Okay, well, I'm I'm gonna watch it in like five minutes, so I'll call you later. Awesome. And we can discuss like schoolgirls. What else is uh, What else is going? What are you doing today tonight? Uh, that's what I'm doing. I'm yeah, I'm going on uh, the bike ride going to PS1 today. Tonight I'm going to Midtown to go see. Actually, uh, the the girl who hosted our Gossip Girl tour was hilarious. She's so funny. And she's a uh, part of the. So Heather and I started talking to her, and she's a member of the Upright Citizens Brigade, and she's a comedian. So we're gonna go to Midtown tonight and watch her and a bunch of her comedian friends uh, put on a show, which is supposed to be pretty vulgar and awesome. And then uh, I think probably head around the East Village, go to a couple of bars, probably go back to the library and to this really rad punk rock bar called the Double Down, and I don't know, just eat a lot of pizza and. and cocktails and have walking beers and whatnot. It'll so, be fun. So that pizza place by your sister's uh, house was pretty great. Uh, I don't even remember what Our it's called. Mine. Did you like it? It was good. It was quite good. And I, the, I hesitate to ever, and I don't think I even will now, but I, I have this whole thing where I will never, uh, um, I will never crown anything the best pizza in New York because it's like you're asking for a knife fight. It doesn't matter. Like totally. it's because there's always going to be some guy in the room who's like, you don't know from pizza. You gotta come to you know, and then it's like his neighborhood. But it was really good. I'll give you that. It was fantastic. 
Oh, and I did also see the other night, uh, I went to Soho, and I, I went to this, like, this old crazy movie theater and saw one of the worst movies that I've ever seen since The Room. It was amazing. It was a Korean vampire movie called Thirst, which uh, I'll give you a full recap when I get back. It is just the most ridiculous movie I've ever seen. And then you saw Dinosaur Jr. play. Saw Dinosaur Jr. play yesterday. Saw The Walkman play yesterday uh, in Central Park. It was really, really hot, but uh, super cool. So I spent the day in Central Park yesterday, um, yeah, listening to free music. It was kind of amazing. And so when you are back on Wednesday, I will give you the whole thing about when we toured CNN and how we came close to Anderson Cooper's office, but why it is we didn't see Anderson Cooper. Um, Okay, because I saw Anderson Cooper's office, too, but I didn't get to see him as well. Yeah, no, see, I don't think they let mortals look at him. I think it's like a thing, (laughs) like it's sort of like your eyes might burn. Uh, like you were looking at Apollo, the sun god. So I, I think they make us like a, a vert when we walk by. But oh, uh, yeah, it was. So we got the whole like five, six floor uh, tour of CNN. So excellent. All right. Well, I will. Uh, I'll let you get back to uh, my so-called life. We'll uh, check with you uh, tomorrow. Uh, so have a have a good day. And uh, yeah, watch that True Blood. Let me know when you've watched it. OK, I'm going to be watching my so-called life is coming off and True Blood's turning on right now. Excellent. All right. We'll talk to you tomorrow. OK, cool. Right, there you go. There's uh, Sarah X. Dillon. Fantastic. Uh, live in New York City. All right, excellent. That is, it is quite something. So uh, here's what we're going to do. We're going to come back at 820. We'll uh, talk about uh, True Blood. I'll talk about last night's episode uh, of that a little bit. I'll do probably half a recap. We'll do the other half maybe uh, on Wednesday uh, when Sarah returns. At this very moment, though, if you are Caller 10, you're going to score yourself a pair of tickets to KUFO's Summer of Rock Pedal to the Metal Tour featuring Mudvayne, Black Label Society, and Static X. That's if you're Caller 10 at 503-228-4101 and find out more at KUFO.com. This is the Rick Emerson Show on Rock 101 KUFO. Share your thoughts with billions. Call 503-228-4101. Watch me go loop up Academy Award-nominated actor John Turturro. Oh, yeah. The Rick Emerson Show returns. This is Rock 101 KUFO. Live from beautiful downtown Portland, Oregon, it is the Rick Emerson Radio Program. Thank you for joining us today. It's 503-228-4101. 503-228-4101. Tim Riley, what headlines are we working on for the good people of the Rose City today? Breaking news, Tom DeLay has been inked for the ninth season of Dancing with the Stars. I'm sorry. I'm something wrong with my headphones. I right, hold on a second. I thought you said the Tom DeLay. Tom DeLay. Tom DeLay, former Speaker of the House, Tom DeLay? Yes, the disgraced former Speaker of the House. All right. Well, hey. He says he dances with his wife regularly. Gonna... <laughs> really? Yes. <laughs> Is that a requirement of her staying with him? Is that a requirement of her not taking half? Mm-hmm. All right. Well, whatever. Uh, all right. It's uh, 503-228-4101. Uh, we've still got, I mean, we, there's so much stuff to catch up on. We did the really uh, the groping Minnie Mouse at Disney World thing. Uh, Disney World or Disneyland? World. Disney World. All right. Uh, we have another Jackson thing. We got a geek watch we got to get through. We got all of that. And then we have to do, uh, probably in the next segment, we'll do sort of an overview of some of the stuff that happened while I was out of town last week. Just you know, as a kind of a, a quick shot. Of all the stories that happen, and we really get to pay the proper amount of attention to. So, you know, what can you do? Uh, speaking of quick shots, I'm going to make this a, a, sort of a quasi-recap of last night's True Blood, and then I'll save the rest of it for Wednesday when Sarah returns. So without further ado, let me just, uh, there we go. All right, so this is, of course, spoilerific. Not that it matters. The show's crap anyway. So, I mean, if you're really watching because there's some mystery that you need unraveled at the end, and it's the anticipation that is making the entire thing worthwhile. In other words, 
If you really need to have all of the elements of mystery in this show preserved, I cannot help you. Um, this show is really about the journey, not so much the destination. Because the journey is a series of destinations. The, the destinations are sort of like television rest stops along some sort of infotainment superhighway. I watched two episodes of True Blood more or less back-to-back. I watched last episodes, uh, last week's episode on uh, Saturday, and I watched last night's this morning. Because I, let's see, it is now 11.25 New York time, which means I've been up for about 27 hours. So everything had a bit of a surreal tinge to it anyway. But I will say this, last week's episode went into a place, uh, so to speak, that I didn't really expect it to. Because Sarah and I were having this whole discussion about vampire physiology. Because they have this neat little trick where the vampires uh, cry blood. Because they don't have, you know, like normal uh, fluids or whatever. So if you're a vampire and you're feeling, you know, very sad about something, and you start to cry, you don't cry tears, you cry blood, which is kind of hot. Because all the... And there are no unattractive female vampires. That's the thing I've noticed. Some of the male vampires are a little stoogy looking, but uh, the chick vampires are all hot. And so you get, like, some hot girl uh, wearing tight leather uh, whatevers, and then she starts crying blood. There's something sort of perversely uh, sexy about that, and it really is just no denying that. But that led to this discussion of, okay, so the chick vampires are crying blood because they don't have normal fluids. And then that led to this this very unsettling conversation about male vampires. and, And then Sarah said, well, if you're a chick vampire, do you still get your period? And it was all... Let me just be very clear. They didn't resolve any of those issues. But if you are a fan of True Blood, you've been following the travails of this female vampire named Jessica. It was recently turned. She was like a church-going girl. Turned into a vampire. And now she's with this kind of a bumpkin John Boy Walton kind of a guy. And neither of them had ever engaged in sexual congress before. There's just no way. As I get it's like hip deep into this, I realize there's no way to talk about it without it just being so terribly cringe-inducing. So I'll just try to speed through this. So there's this horrible moment where Hoyt and Jessica are having uh, relations for the first time. Boy, I wish Sarah was here for this. And it's, uh, you know, it's the. Uh, I guess it's the it's the slightest bit uh, uncomfortable for her seeing as it is the first time, and uh, all that that implies. And then what they reveal like five minutes later, and that I had never really considered, and that actually made me physically pull back from the television in horror, was when they go to do it a second time, and she's like, ow, 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 stop, stop, ow, ow. And she notes that because vampires are self-healing, she's always a virgin. There you go. That's all I'm going to say about it. I'm not going to say anything else. It's just, it's not like it's the worst thing in the world. I just didn't really expect that to be a thing I saw depicted on my television. And yet, I wasn't. Uh, Let's see, what else happened last night? Last night, I'm going to leave it at this, and then Sarah and I will do the rest of this recap on Wednesday. But I know all of the vampire-loving chicks in the audience, because that's really who this show is for. It's uh, it's for kind of pudgy chicks who wear a lot of lace and read Anne Rice novels, and then I'm watching it too. So all of those women had their fantasies and dreams and hopes and wishes come true last night when Alan Ball, who's the guy who created, and who made American Beauty, by the way, which is like a multi-academy award-winning motion picture, and who now makes this, now makes this befanged harlequin dreck, contrived a situation wherein Anna Paquin had to be 
I can't believe I'm about to say this. She was, in fact, sucking blood out of the hot blonde male vampire's nipples. What was that last part? Nipples. <coughs> there you go. Maybe that's the only way she thinks it's done. For no... For no <laughs> they, didn't, they didn't have any Similac. I don't have any formula, so uh, we're at the pond here, Eric. Anyway. And there was, like, no real reason for it. You know the reason? It's because Alan Ball wanted to see it, and so he uh, wrote it in the script, and then the camera just stayed on her for what seemed like just an eternity. Well, it's a whole lot of, like... <laughs> I know. It's just, it's just wrong. Anyway, I I will say that it's uh, it's hot when they when they uh, when they have Anna Paquin's face uh, and she has the kind of like yeah, it's like the got milk thing, but it's like with blood. So there's something kind of sexy about that. This sounds way creepier when Sarah's not here to balance it out. I really with me, it just uh, makes me sound perverse. I sound like a Maplethorpe painting come to life or something. All right, uh, let's do this. We'll uh, take a break. We come back. Tim Riley will have uh, headlines from last week and from this week. Yes. And Tim Riley, what else? Reader's Digest is filing for Chapter 11. No. Yes. No. Yes. No. Yes. No. Mm-hmm. Yes. Back after this, the Rick Emerson Show. This is the Rick Emerson Show on Rock 101 KUFO. Putting the cult in pop culture. Greetings, Optimus Prime. <laughs> I am Mega Chest. The Rick Emerson Show returns. Live from beautiful downtown Portland, Oregon, it is the Rick Emerson Radio Program. Thank you for joining us. Be sure to join us tomorrow when our guests will include Don Taylor from Cinematical and uh, Movies.com, as well as Joe Rogan, ladies and gentlemen. He'll be in town doing his uh, stand-up on Friday, and then he's actually the ring announcer uh, for the UFC event, which is happening Saturday. So we'll talk to uh, Joe Rogan of uh, Fear Factor. And then he's got, so what is his new show? He's got a new show coming out, or that it's going to be on? I bl- it's something called Talking Monkeys. Let me, uh, I can I can find <laughs> out the exact monkeys. details. Well, I've heard all I need yes. to hear. I'm sold. Excellent. So that's, uh, that is coming up tomorrow, uh, as well as another shot at uh, your uh, tickets to see KUFO Summer of Rock, part the third, uh, featuring Mudvayne, Black Label Society, Static X, Suicide Silence, Dope, and more. The Pedal to the Metal Tour, 2009. Tickets on sale at Tickets West. Dot com. And, of course, it happens at the Washington County Fairgrounds Sunday, August 23rd. Find out more at KUFO.com. At the news desk, your personal savior, Tim Riley. In the news with Tim Riley. Good morning for the KUFO News Center downtown Portland, 840. Get ready for another heat wave. Temperatures in the 90s today, nearly 100 by Wednesday. A local girl is heading to New York after winning the local Macy's Spelling Bee. The young lady correctly spelled the word magnetic. I don't think that really it. magnetic. Magnetic. That's all it takes to win the Portland spelling. But wait, is yeah, this, this is Beaverton citywide or statewide? Uh, let's see here. This is uh, Macy's spelling bee at Washington Square Mall. So the local Macy's putting it on. Oh well. Uh, and the kids were told to spell many eco-friendly and green words, which is stupid. Ma- <laughs> How about scam? Spell that. <laughs> spell alarmist. Uh, but I mean, magnetic. Magnetic. I guess they're dumbing it down. How old was she? I, that's a fair. That's a really fair question. Okay, that is a fair question. If she was it, three, be, I'll be impressed. Be too much to ask for a ten-year-old to spell magnetic. No, it says she's ten. No, it's not too. It's not too much to ask. No, not well, at all. She spelled it correctly. That I so should. It wasn't too much to ask. No, and I and I should know. By the way, I'm a I'm a big I fan. Think of, I could spell magnetic. I and I'm a and many other difficult words. I should point out that I'm a uh, I because I, I was this actually ties into something I was going to uh, make an observation about anyway. 
I'm a big fan of Macy's because Macy's actually is where I bought this money clip, which is one of the best things I've ever purchased in my life. Uh, this Kenneth Cole money clip, which is one of the best single purchase. Really, this is like the return on the investment here is just like cannot even be calculated. It's so great. So, but that notwithstanding, Magnetic is not like, and she's 10? 10. Was everybody who entered 10 or were there varying ages? I would say around that same age group. Yeah, that, uh, yeah, that's, I'm not impressed by that. What what were the words that stumped the losers? That's a good question. It it does not say. Really? Mm -mm. All right. Well, I'm going to have to go online and investigate further. A motorcyclist who was popping wheelies at a high speed without a helmet was killed when he slammed into a cinder block wall. Awesome. It happened in uh, Kent, Washington. They tried to bring him back, but it was useless, really. (laughs) What was he using that brain for, anyway? Uh, Speaking of that... Uh, Levi Johnston is being asked if he would consider posing nude. We got an email from Steve um, in Mississippi who wanted to know if you would ever consider posing nude. It it depends on the money, man. It's got to be right for that. Well, if that doesn't happen, he could run for governor of Alaska. Crafty Ricky tweeted us wanting to know if you're going to run for governor of Alaska. Uh, Maybe one day I'm thinking about it. Really? Yeah. All right. uh, Sounds like a lot of fun there. It sounds like a lot of fun there. You know, you live there. Um, the where? Who was he being interviewed by? There? I, I think it was Access Hollywood. All right. Well, it's nice to see that he is able to extend that to about seventeen and a half minutes so far. But it, it, here's the thing. So Sarah Palin. Wait, did I miss something? Did they get divorced? No. So they're not getting divorced because the star. It hasn't not been revealed on the front of Star. It actually says like they're divorced. They're getting or they're, you know like it's happening. Yeah. They're getting a divorce. Like here's the deal. Here's why. Uh, I got, oh, and we're talking to Dax Holt from TMZ tomorrow, so maybe he'll have the word on that because because the, the star was doing that inquirer thing of just stating it as a flat out fact, like uh, it was a fait accompli. It had happened because that can only help him. I mean, the longer Sarah Palin's on the news, the more it helps. What's his name? Idiot Levi Johnson. Because it's not like he's going to be doing anything. Not like he's going to be creating his own news somehow. All right, here's uh, Tim Riley. Now we're Jackson Watch. Here's your uh, Jackson, Jackson Watch, Watch for uh, whatever this is Monday on the Rick Emerson radio program. Jackson. Jackson. And wait. And. Well, let's let's do it a cappella. All right. Wait, hold on. Do we have it? There we go. Here's Tim Riley with your Jackson Watch for Monday. Michael Jackson's body has been moved to a freezer room at the request of his mother, who fears he'll be targeted by grave robbers if he's buried. Uh, Catherine Jackson, who's 79, arranged for her son's gold coffin to be transferred into a small brick cold room where it's being kept under perplex to uh, keep it out of the frost. The singer's body has been temporarily kept at the family crypt of Barry Gordy, the founder of Motown, in the cemetery in Hollywood. However... New York Post reports that Mrs. Jackson has had the casket moved to the basement of the Freedom Mausoleum in Glendale so she can visit it privately. The words freedom and mausoleum don't really seem to go together. Those are at, no. uh, you're at cross purposes there. So she is having him put in a freezer because she doesn't want his body to be stolen by grave diggers. Mm-hmm. What was, so is there, but is this like a permanent thing? It doesn't say. So he just is going to stay there forever? Mm-hmm. Because you can't. Forever for now. Well, it seems like you're going to, uh, seems like you're going to stick him in the ground at some point. Yes. Which means that, you know, if some enterprising lad wants to come up with a pick and a shovel and decide to take him home some Jackson, then, you know, that's really to stop him. Well, I think that's what they had to do with Elvis, because at Graceland, I think at Graceland, the deal was that they finally came in. They either moved Elvis's body or 
they covered it up with they covered it up with cement. Uh, like they came and they put like a huge layer of cement uh, uh, over his uh, over his coffin. I think that's the deal because they had people who were continually trying to uh, you know to find it. They were trying to dig him up, and so I think they had like a three foot layer of concrete that they poured over it. So I think they would they'll either have to do that and just put him in some sort of impenetrable you know cadaverarium mm-hmm. or they'll have to do the thing where they have the, the like they did on the uh the morning of the memorial the memorial service where they had just like a, a sort of like decoy Jacksons where they have a bunch of decoy caskets and he's built or he's like a horcrux you know where he's just he's put into seven he's put into seven parts and the part of him is you know is at the bottom of a uh, bird bath in the middle of a lake I'm sorry, it was a whole thing. I went into off into a whole geek thing inside the Jackson thing. There's your Jackson watch for uh, Monday. He's not a horcrux. I'm sorry. I don't know why I said that. And let me just back up for a second. So this guy in Kent, Washington, mm-hmm. motorcycle rider. Yes. No helmet. Right. Doing wheelies. Mm-hmm. Brick wall. Yes. All right. I just want to make sure I had all those because sometimes you think that, you know, you leave, you go on vacation and you're like, well, when I come back, will humanity still be the same? I wanted to make sure that uh, the people of the uh, great Northwest continue to not disappoint me. All right. Here's uh, Tim Riley. So uh, going back and revisiting some of the great things you missed last week includes the best soundbite of the year, I think, so far from my Hillary Clinton, where she's visiting Africa and she gets uh, in front of this group of students and they try to translate the questions. Well, with unfavorable results. We've all heard about the Chinese contracts in this country. The interferences from the World Bank against this contract. What does Mr. Clinton think through the mouth of Mrs. Clinton? And what does Mr. Mitmutombo think on this situation? Thank you very much. Wait, you want me to tell you what my husband thinks? My husband is not the Secretary of State. I am. Wow. And of course, they don't know what that is. So you ask my opinion, I will tell you my opinion. I'm not going to be channeling my husband. I will have you beaten later. Boy, so that's a thing that I have never heard until just now. I read about it. Uh Because in New York, you know, of course, it's like the the Rupert Murdoch thing where everything is huge, like 80-point type on the front of the New York uh, Post or whatever. And, you know, Hillary Rage, she lashes out to something. And they pick that one shot of her with her mouth sort of wide open where it looks like she's screeching, uh, which she probably would have done if there were not cameras there. I had never actually heard the soundbite, and it's actually way worse than I thought it was going to be. I thought that perhaps they'd overstated it, but she's clearly unhappy. And it's especially weird when you consider that obviously it's just a, it's a weirdness in translation, right? That they're right. not it's, – it's going from one language through a translator to another language to Hillary, who clearly just brooks no dissent in any way. And uh, they probably had that guy strung up by the soles of his feet and uh, flogged later on. All right. So Celebrity Dash, you with John Hughes, Uni Schrabber, and Les Paul. Here's the thing about John Hughes – do you realize the last movie that John Hughes directed was in 1993? I think it was the the second Home Alone was the last movie he made, and that was 16 years ago. And then he was just like a farmer. I mean, maybe everybody else has sort of gone over all this stuff in the, the day or whatever after he died. Um, but he he just sort of quit making movies. I think he said that he quit making movies because he didn't understand how young people were anymore. He wanted to fake it. And then he you know he made such a you know billions of dollars on the Home Alone movies alone that I think he just figured screw this, and so he went off and just. Uh, he was like a, the farmer somewhere in the outskirts of Illinois or whatever. He's not a thing, a guy that you think about dying, though. You just sort of assume he's always going to be around. He's kind of like, you know, John Candy's the same way. I always have to remind myself that John Candy is dead because I'll see him in movies and it just seems 
it just seems like he's like he's around somewhere, and he, you know, you're kind of like waiting on his next movie to come out. So there was uh, John Hughes, and then what else? John Hughes, Una Shriver. That's right. And Liz Paul. No, Una Shriver. So now she is. Who is she related to? How? What is her tie? She, she is JFK and Ted Kennedy's sister. So she was. She, she is a Kennedy who was married to Sergeant Shriver, the politician. Wait, she's not the one that had the the lobotomy. No, no, you're you're thinking of the one that they sent away. That w- that would have been was it Rose, Rose? Jr. Is Rose. she the one? She's recovering yeah. in the countryside. Yeah, she is. She, she is in Dacha in countryside. She's dedicated herself to helping others. <laughs> uh, all right, and then and then Les Paul. Well, you know what, Les Paul? He was that ninety four. What are you? you know, yeah. What are you going to do? He can't live forever. So, uh, but there he is. Actually, if you go to rickemerson.com, there's some great video. Greg actually shot this of the. Iridium, which is a jazz club in New York, where he played every Monday up oh, until yeah, that. up until the time he died. So that was, and you know, people always think of the Gibson Les Paul, which is a classic rock and roll guitar. But then I realized he also created um, overdubbing and the common use of reverb and you know, multi-tracking in a lot of ways. I mean, he was really, he's a guy. I mean, there's worse things than to be remembered for the, the Gibson Les Paul guitar. But he uh, he kind of single-handedly created whole sections of the rock and roll production, uh, you know, vocabulary. So um, all right, well, there you go. Well, let's uh, do this. We'll bring a curtain down on this whole affair. Tomorrow, we'll be joined by Don Taylor from Film.com, also Joe Rogan, and we'll have another pair of uh, Mudvayne tickets for you. We want to thank Cena Radio correspondent Steve Kastenbaum, also Christy Turnquist from The Oregonian, and uh, Sarah Dillon, who will uh, phone in again tomorrow uh, from Brooklyn. Uh, the Rick Emerson Show, produced today and every day by the uh, lovely and talented Greg Nibbler. Not that you're not lovely and talented. Uh, Greg Nibbler in for Sarah Dillon, who returns on Wednesday. Tim Riley in the newsroom and our friend Brent in for Greg Nibbler. And uh, we want to remind you, ladies and gentlemen, that coming up this Friday at 9 a.m., the KUFO half-off sale is going to uh, kick into gear with uh, such items as 27 holes of par-3 executive golf and 36 holes of miniature golf located atop Mount Scott in southeast Portland. That's a $50 certificate for only $25 each. You call right now and you're caller 10 at 503-228-4101. You'll pick yourself up one of those before you can buy them. That is happening Friday 9. You'll win one now if you're caller 10. It is Monday. August 17th, 2009, and that is The Frequency, Kenneth. See you all tomorrow. Bye. Even more graphic, anal beer bongs and soaking tampons in vodka. Attention broadcasters in the greater Portland area, your daily show prep is now concluded. Thank you for listening.